Hello and welcome back to the State of the Arc podcast. My name is Mike. My name's Kason. Today we're going to be talking about discs three and four of yeah. Final Fantasy VIII. We finished the game, so that means all spoilers are free to talk about. Yes. <laughs> we're going, we're going, we're talking about everything at this point. Because uh, those who have been playing with us have beaten the game. We've beaten the game. We know everything. So now we, we can talk about connect it. all the dots and talk yeah. about everything. Before we start, this show is essentially uh, crowdfunded. Uh, the viewers essentially make this show possible. The fact that we're here in the studio that we're in, uh, you know, the fact that we can get Kaysen up here, that we can schedule things. Um, there's a lot of work, a lot, a lot of hours that go into this. We have a Patreon, of course. Uh, you know, if you want to support us, if you value the show, please you know, uh, contribute so we can get this back to a weekly show. Um, but a lot of people are not happy with Patreon. They, they don't like it. They don't want to support Patreon. So I just want everyone to know, uh, by the time this goes live on Monday next week, um, we will have a subscribe star started as well. So if you'd rather support us there, uh, you can do that. We've, we've gotten a few messages from potential sponsors lately. Um, and every time that I've had to come on and advertise a product <laughs> to my audience, it has felt so wrong. It has felt so awkward. It's felt so weird because it's not something... <laughs> I know you guys care about we're, at all. We're not salespeople. <laughs> Mobile games and all these things that I know yeah. you guys, just as much as I am skeptical about or don't care about, I don't, I don't want this to be a sponsored show right. in that sense. I would rather just be real and, you know, those of you who care about it, you know, help us continue doing it. So I'd like to keep it that way. If everybody who actually is a loyal watcher of the show, who oh, like geez. watches it all the time, paid just $1 a month, we would be way past the goal to bring this back to a weekly show again. Right. What I'm saying is, is if you want it to be weekly, and if you've been watching us for a while, and if you've, particularly if you've enjoyed this Final Fantasy VIII series, if you guys you have contribute power. $1, <laughs> it's yeah. a weekly show. It's a weekly show. It's a weekly show. That's all it takes. Okay, so um, we left off... Where did we leave off? We left off... We left off at the battle. So we got all the way up yeah. to once they got inside the, the Galbadia, uh, Garden. Galbadia Garden and yeah. were about to fight the, the sorceress. And we had to stop there because our three hours were up. They were a lot of hours. <laughs> so we said we'd talk about it next time, but unfortunately the end of the game has a lot to talk about too. Yeah. So there's just a lot to talk about today. Okay. So you get into Galbadia Garden. Yeah. I think Fujin and Raijin are there. They're yeah. kind of again talking about like how crazy this all is. They're, they're yes. not into it anymore. They don't really resist us this time. Yeah. And they kind of let you in. And you go find some keys to get into some yeah, elevators. Yeah, you've got to find the students. And they know how many of them there are. And they know which ones you've already gotten. Yeah. So these are very smart, <laughs> scientistly students. You fight No, I don't fault boss. the game for that at all. Like a, is it Cerberus? I think it's Cerberus. Oh, it's a geez, GF. I can't remember the boss. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's like Cerberus. a month ago. <laughs> <laughs> and you fight Cerberus, that's a GF that you get. Anyways. So by the end, do. you got to fight Cypher and the Sorceress. And, uh, the sorceress. and Cypher steps in as if he's like going to, you know, help. <laughs> and he's not very helpful. And he's also not super um, liked by the sorceress, she doesn't. Uh, yeah, she, she. She doesn't. She's think talking useful. down to him, right? Oh, absolutely. It's kind of spoiling his romantic like, you dream. You fool! Well, it's the way she talked to the president. That's true. <laughs> also, right people. before she killed him, of course. Yep. 
Yeah, so that fight all happens. Um, so basically, we just knock Cypher out, like, right away. And then um, we fight the Sorceress, and we win. If you're good at the game, you win. <laughs> That's, you know, what should happen. Win. Uh, and then um, the, the power leaves the Sorceress. Yep. It just she goes gone. back to normal. She becomes normal, and it is the weirdest thing because for the whole rest of the game, she's normal. Yep. But she's still wearing. That <laughs> she's still wearing the same day. She's still wearing that crazy because compared costume. to what she used to wear as matron, you know, yeah. the very plain gray. It's just a gray dress, dress. one piece. Yeah, that's all it is. Um, she's all done up in this in this sorceress's like get-up. really, and it's really like seductive and dark <laughs> and spiky, and and yeah. she just keeps wearing it the whole rest of the game. That is funny. I, I didn't think about <laughs> even that, when but you go true. back to the orphanage later, she walks up and <laughs> she, it's like she's got her. Especially that's actually like, a really name? good point. Her, like Ursula outfit. If you had been, I don't know, we're just pretending here. You had been mind controlled by some evil person who changed your entire like look and yes. style and everyone Including was afraid of you. Yeah, yeah. I think the first thing I would do uh-huh. is undo all of that. Yeah, take off the maleficent <laughs> cosplay and <laughs> and like put back on some normal clothes. <laughs> so that you can like, hey, I'm no longer scary yes. people. Yes, Everything's please. good. You can trust me now. She whatever. doesn't even let her hair down. It's anyways. Okay. We don't want to talk too much about that. But that's funny. This the the sorceress, the sorceress has left her. And and what this means is we've already hinted at before. Uh, but it means the sorceress is kind of separate from the person. So the person is called yeah. a sorceress and I guess technically they still are a sorceress cuz they potentially can have this kind of power. But the power that is given to them, it can also be like like taken out from yes, this or, greater sorceress. Or that passed is, on because yeah, as we learned on. in Windhill, right, from the Laguna dream sequence, um, Adele 17 years ago was looking for like an heir or like yes, someone to replace her. Which is why she was looking for El- Eleni. Right. Yeah. And so like... Obviously, this it's almost like a title, but it, it's, it's a power that's passed from one sorceress to another. Yes, and apparently, a sorceress cannot die until they've passed on that power, mm. somehow, somewhere. Yeah. They can't. They're, they're stuck on Earth. They're bound to Earth. They have, like, no life, but they have to pass it on to somebody. That's what, um, that's what Idea says uh, during the scene where Squall... Like in the in the crazy psychedelic ending where he ends up yes. there, and yes. Ultimisha comes up to pass Shows the power up, yeah. to and she accepts Idea. It, she, that's yeah. where she explains it, they can't die until the, the power's yeah. been passed on. Right? So the power goes out of her, and you don't know exactly where it went right away. Yeah, but Renoa starts acting weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she goes into a coma. She goes well. At first, she gets up. She because she was oh. like knocked out, right? But she gets up and she whispers something into Cipher's ear. And she gets, and then she falls down, and she's in a coma. But it's that weird, oh, like, you're right. that weird and then, and slow motion. And then he motion. gets up, and he's like, "Yes, sorceress, I yes. will do whatever." And he walks away. And this is as we're passing out too, uh, so yeah. we're we're barely conscious for this. Because that's scene. where that's where she tells him to go, essentially unearth the lunatic Pandora. Yes, right? yeah. But we don't know that she said that. Right, right. <laughs> but that is when she says it. And so Cipher just up and leaves, and then Renoa just like drops like a ragdoll, like she's she's. She turns yeah. off, apparently. Coma. And that's the end of disc So that's two. the end of disc two. And then we started up. Now, the first thing I did, booting up disc three, was, and this is a, a sort of a correction for something we talked about last time, because we were unsure about Norg, right? Uh, like yes. what happened to Norg yeah. or whatever. Did he die or did yeah, he, like... Yeah, like, what's going on with that? Like, he never shows up again. I didn't <laughs> right. remember if he showed up again. And he doesn't really. 
but um, so he's not dead. But if you remember, there's like a kind of a circular shield, cocoonish looking yes. thing yeah, that yeah. sort of like is created around him, and uh-huh. it's glowing red. That's um, what happens right after you beat him, and like that that sort of like pre-rendered background is now like the new background, whereas before you know it was a different one. But yeah. there's like this reddish glowing cocoon thing. So, so does it mean he's evolving? He's evolving into what? Into we don't know a because <laughs> you go down into the yeah. basement at the beginning of disc three, right at the start of disc three, and you run over there and the cocoon is opened. Ah. And it's like kind of bluish and it's not glowing anymore, right? Oh, okay. And there are two Shumi who are there who are like apologizing on behalf of Norg. They're like, sorry oh. that um, this, you know, this guy did this and you know, we'll, we'll try to like handle this You know, I didn't go on back our down own. there. Yeah. That's fascinating. So that's huh. th- not really, like directly stated what he became, but one of those Shumi does say something about like what you evolve into depends on what's kind of in your heart, and okay. Norg's heart was dark. Right. So like it's kind of an ominous hint that maybe he became some kind of monster or something mm. like that, though it's never really like directly stated what happened to him. Okay, yeah. But he's no longer there. The cocoon is open. And right. these Shumi are there trying to find him. So something hmm. potentially kind of messed up is going on with that. But that's the end of it. We okay, never good. see him again. <laughs> well, good. But he didn't die. So Not that we know of. If we, we did see him again, he was probably a true. monster that we killed. Could have been. But uh, who knows. Um, so that's that's what happened to Norg. That's a correction from last time because we were so so the Norg sure. is dead theory is is uh, not correct. It's, it's bunk. He's not dead. <laughs> <laughs> He's alive. He is alive. Alive to this day. He survived. Okay, so um, we wake up at Squall and he's like. Um, He's in the infirmary, right? Or is he well, just he's in his, in his room? But he's his first thought is like, "Oh, what happened to he's Rel, all Right? Because being at weird. the end there, um, right at the end of disc two, right when Renoa is doing her little crazy walk and she goes and whispers something to Cipher, mm-hmm. and Cipher gets up and walks away and she faints. We have the thoughts of Squall, and um, this is something I hadn't really noticed before, mm-hmm. but like, I think I think if I remember correctly. She, he, he, he thinks like Renoa, right? As she's like right. walking up. Yeah. And then as she kind of bends down and like lifts Cypher's head, there's like a dot, dot, dot and just an exclamation mark. Yeah, yeah. Which <laughs> the way that I interpreted that on this time was like almost a spark of jealousy. Like Renoa right, went to because that's kind of what I him. thought. Yes, yeah, yeah. Renoa went to Cypher first. Right. And she's like caressing his head. And mm-hmm. it's like a big like exclamation mark. Like what? Right. And then, and then he thinks like Cypher dot dot dot, Renoa dot dot dot, and I think he's like piecing together like, yeah. does she still have feelings for him? This is something I'd never considered because I I've been critical of Final Fantasy VIII's love story, and I think a lot of other people have felt this way. This isn't like just a complaint that I've had. I've mm-hmm. seen lots of other people say the same thing. That Squall. His like feelings for Renoa like flip like a light switch just all of a sudden. And yeah. like one minute he doesn't care whether she lives or dies necessarily. He's more committed to his duty as the leader of the garden. And right. then like the next second, all of a sudden he's like fawning over her and like wants to die rather than yes. would re- do anything to save her, right? So this like dramatic shift. And even in my discussions with people who defend the game, 
they would more or less just say, you know, it's it's one of those you don't know what you have until you've lost it situations. I think that explains Squall quite a bit. Yeah. Actually, for other reasons that we'll kind of talk about even later. But and, and I think that there's there an, is something an element of that that's there. Right. But I really do think on this playthrough that I saw more setup to this yeah. and that it wasn't as immediate as I remembered it being. You know, I didn't remember it being quite as immediate either. Like, I, re- I remembered it being di- that battle happens at the end of disc one, and, and, or disc two, sorry, and he essentially was, like, putting off saving her. Mm-hmm. And then the opening scene of disc three was him falling over her in a coma, being like, please, I need to hear your voice again. Right. I didn't remember that there's actually quite a lot there that is. happens before that scene and, happens. And you're kind of reading his thoughts. He's in his head a lot. Yeah. And and he it festers, like this thought of, I'm never going to see her again. Yeah. Or I'm never going to see her. He can see her dead, I guess. But he, he'll never see her smile or laugh. Yeah. Or and you start reading his mind. You start seeing his thoughts, his thought pattern and, and reading his thoughts. Yeah. And it just festers. It's like a growing, it's almost like a cancer in his mind that just like starts spreading and growing. Yeah. And you see the hints of it at the end of disc two. And it slowly, you know, through the beginning of disc three, even though it, it's just a few scenes, I suppose, um, you you see it slowly kind of growing in him. And he, you start, he starts thinking in his own head a lot more and more. Yeah. E- even as we go and um, go back to the orphanage and talk to Idea. After when she, you know, when she's no longer the sorceress, he's not paying attention at all. He's just in his head. He's thinking his own thoughts. He doesn't care what anyone's talking about. But it's like all like mind reading at this point. It's all just in his head, and we're just mm. we're privy to this slow development that's happening in his mind of like, oh my gosh, I I never thought this was possible, but it is. It's happening. I have to stop yeah. this from happening. Right. And like one thing that I really liked too was that. Because I thought this was going to lead into the scene I was talking about where he, oh, he just falls over on the bed and is like yes. freaking out. It's not. He, he wakes up in his bed. Uh-huh. He thinks, oh no, what happened to Renoa, right? Because it's kind of like he's waking up from being blacked out too at, right. right at the end of disc two. He goes down into the infirmary and looks at her and doesn't say anything. There's no dialogue. There's no thoughts. It's mm. just him staring at her for a pretty prolonged period of time. Yeah. And this is where you imagine emotions are beginning yes. to stir, yeah. right? But he doesn't say anything. He doesn't do anything. He then is kind of pulled away, essentially, to go to the orphanage and talk to Idea. Yes. And, um, and so you go there, yeah. you have that conversation, and it's during the course of this conversation where she's explaining all of this stuff about the sorceress's power and yes. who Ultimisha is right. and time compression yeah, yeah, and yeah. all these concepts that are now going to come into play here at the end of the story. And he doesn't and care he doesn't, about any of it. He's not listening, yeah. really, to Because his one question is, well, but what do we do about Renoa? Yeah. Like, hey, we need, we need to get this figured out, guys. And they're talking yeah. about other things, and he is Which not is interested. an interesting flip of temperament from the other characters who were all completely no, obsessed that with saving Renoa at the, the end of disc two. Craziest but now part. they don't give a fetch. That is the craziest <laughs> part. And they even tell him, they say, hey, Squall, do, can't you, you're such a terrible leader. Can't you think about like the whole garden and you know yeah. what's going to happen to it's everyone? totally flipped. That I find that flipping way worse than Squall's flipping. Yes. Right? Squall's this time flipping I is, felt the same way. there's this person who he's known for a while now and she is the only way you can describe Renoa is full of life, right? Yeah. Full of energy, full of ideas, and 
she's kind of crazy, but that's that's the opposite of him. What opposites she attract. Yeah. Yeah. So the for the first time, he's looking at her as a a lifeless. Yeah. Un, you know, responsive, responsive thing, yeah. and he's never he hadn't he's never seen her like that before. So it's doing numbers in his head. But everyone else flipping one hundred eighty—that's the weirdest thing because it's every single one of them. They're, and like, they're oh, all like, she'll wake up eventually. It's all good. Don't yeah. worry about it. And it's just like, what the heck? It's, it seemed a little strange. It was very weird. So I minded that way more than I minded Squall's change. Yeah. That was annoying. And I can't, I wish I wrote down some of the specifics. But he was supposed to. Like talk to the whole garden. There was like there was something going to happen with everybody all together or something. Like what they are we going to do now? Yeah, where go are things going? Everyone's wondering what's going to happen. Right? They're yeah. like decided that's what's where they're the going to take the garden. How are we going to get there? They want him to be the one to go and like tell everyone. It. He's yeah. like, I'm not doing that. I don't want to do that. Yeah. And, and or, or he eventually does do it, but then it's like right after he gets done. Yes. To sort of speaking to everybody. That he decides, all right, I'm, I'm He's like, out. I'm leaving. I'm yeah, leaving. I'm done with this. I can't yeah. do this anymore. Sorry, yeah. everyone. I don't have it in me anymore. But there's there's actually actually some more stuff that happens before that, too. Because you go talk to her. And, and we'll get into the time compression and the sorceress's power, yes. um, the legend of Hein, yeah. all of these things that are related to what Idea is talking about in mm. that scene. But I, you know, because it, it's all, like, important to the plot. But I think the we'll more important thing... <laughs> For that scene is that like and and the reason why I don't feel the need to jump into like explaining all of that right now is because mm-hmm. Squall doesn't really care right. like at this and and eventually um, Sid kind of steps up and is like you know you need to like I'm paraphrasing badly but essentially like you know call like man up here like you have right. responsibilities you know and and yeah. and Squall like turns around and, like punches the wall and he's he's yeah. so resentful of uh-huh. this like leadership role he's so that was sick just of it thrust on him yeah and and he feels like Sp- Sid especially like forced this on him right. almost and he never wanted it and now all he really cares you know, about is like how are we going to help her and all of the people who were begging him mm-hmm. in game time 20 minutes ago to like save her and ignore (laughs) everyone else are now telling him to take responsibility and don't worry about her and his emotions have boiled throughout the whole game up to this point. We've seen that slow boil, that pressure just getting to him over time. And it has been really gradual. Like there was no one point where he just blew up. And he's never allowed himself to express Uh it even when Sid asked him to, right? Remember that scene Uh, right after or during that kind of garden war where you go talk to Sid Mm -hmm. and he's like, hey, what's on your mind or what do you think about that? And he's like, oh, my feelings... Don't matter. Don't yeah. matter. Or yeah, whatever. After, after listing a bunch of things, after thinking in his mind, about all the things that he's like, yeah. what does my feeling have to do with any of this? So he's buried yeah. these emotions the whole game. He's just taken on this pressure. It's all boiled up inside, and he's reaching this boiling point. And he's not quite there yet because then after this, uh, Idea tells you about the fact that LNA is being kept on the White Seed ship. Yes, and that you need to go find her. And the only reason, well. We do care about that because he thinks that LNA, because LNA, LNA has mentioned in the past, I think at that library, that yep. she was trying to change the past. Right. She has the power and to send so people's consciousness like, back in the past. He hears LNA, white ship, and he's like, hey, that's what we're doing next, right? We're going to go find LNA, and I'm going to show her Renoa, and that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, but oh, but before that, there was a very interesting kind of interaction that they had not being together. He had mm. his next um, episode with Laguna, where I think he was filming the movie, and this is my favorite 
It's a good one. Dream from Laguna. It's a good one. We call him, I don't know if we call him a dream or not, but this is like the best. This is peak Laguna. <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, did you have Ward with you during the sequence in your game? I'm curious. The, the person who played the, big, the dragon? The big... Well, I remember. So all three of them. Did Kiros. you have all three of the part? Did you have Kiros, Laguna, and Kiros. Ward? I don't recall okay. having Ward. So I don't recall him being there. The only way that you can have Ward in the party at this time, yeah. I'm not exactly sure the reason why. It has to do with the Timber Maniacs um, issues. Oh. If you went to Shumi Village before this time, I there's a Timber did. Maniacs issue in Shumi Village. If you pick it up, Ward is not with you during this dream sequence. If you leave it there, have the dream sequence, Ward is in the party. So you'll have three people. So you have to not do something. But in then order you for can Ward go back there. after this and, and get, get the Timber Maniacs. So I just picked that. it up, I guess. That's crazy. So if you just pick it up, which anyone who's just playing the game yeah. would do, Ward, so I would say. What does Ward that do, though? Because he he's just fit. a third party member. He's just there. I you know, just have an extra like, guy to help you fight the dragon. <laughs> but in the movie, in the film. Sure, of the like is he in the canon? Should he have been there, chilling around? Well, no, but in the movie, he does have he, in this little movie oh, no, that no, the no. guy's making. He and Kiros operate the Ruby Dragon costume together. together? Oh, okay, right, okay, okay. So yeah, that's funny. Anyways, that's kind of a I don't know. There's a lot of people who probably played it didn't know you can have. Ward. I had no idea you can have Ward in the party during the sequence. Nice. But anyways, um, they're shooting a movie, and, and Laguna's doing this to just make some money to get by. Yeah. He's already on his quest now to try to find Elena because elena has been captured by uh, Esthar at this point. Um, and so he's trying to find a way in, right? Mm-hmm. So he's kind of traveling the world, doing his, like, journalist thing, trying to, like, but he, his purpose is to try to find Elena again. Yeah. And uh, he's kind of... Anyways, we're coming into these random times in his life, but at this point, he's trying to get to Esthar, but he has no money, so he's t- he's taking this mm-hmm. role in this movie like as a, like a way to a cheap looking get movie some money, too. yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the <laughs> like movie, it's just one director with his camera, and that's it. The movie is about a sorceress and yes, her knight, and her knight. Um, maybe it's and a it's historical drama type of thing, or like one of the past sorceresses yeah. from this world's history or something. Um, but yeah. here's something that you might not, well, I'm pretty sure, because I don't know how anyone picked up on this. <laughs> it's crazy. There's, well, I've kind of alluded to this in the past episodes, mm-hmm. that Cypher yes. talks about his role as the Sorceress's yeah. Knight his, almost like, fantasy in, a, of, in a movie-like way. Like, yes. This is the scene where you, where you, yeah. uh, you know, share your undying hatred for me. Right. I am the holy Sorceress's Knight. You're the evil mercenary. He's like yeah. playing a fantasy role, like right. a film role almost, mm-hmm. of this Sorceress's Knight. I had that thought in my head. Did he watch whatever movie they're making? Did, did he watch What it? really seals it is yeah. that if you watch, you know, the victory pose that they do after every battle, Remember, Cypher's in your party oh at the gosh. beginning of the game. Where he did that sword thing, the and the director's pose? like, huh, that looks pretty cool. Yes, yeah. it's the same move. Oh my gosh, The no move way. that Laguna does there, that, that, when the, that when the, he clearly when the director, just made up on yep, the spot. The director's like, hey, do a cool pose or whatever, yeah. and Laguna does a move. That's the same victory pose oh Cypher does in the beginning of the game when he's in your party in the Dalit mission. So Cypher grew up at the orphanage watching this movie. They all probably did, but he yep. specifically was probably the kid who was like, let's watch that movie again. And everyone's like, no. Now, this is not, as far as I can tell, I might have missed something. But this is probably a good time to bring it up anyways to make the connection. That's a cool connection, though. uh, 
I don't recall anywhere other than a very vague, like kind of in passing sort of moment where Laguna、mm. tells Squall, "Hey, there's some things that I really want to tell you about.、Uh, you may not want to hear it from me or whatever, but like, I have something important to tell you. When、uh, this is all over, you know, like, come talk to me." Right. Aside from that very vague thing, I don't think they ever directly state outright. That Laguna is Squall's father. Ah、uh-huh, ha! Right, right. Right. And we'll get into this a little bit later. I, there's some more hints because, like Rain, it's it's alluded to in the end that he he did marry Rain at some point. That Rain had a child that she died or whatever. Right, because he shows up at the grave and he has、But、a ring. Or they well, don't we, they don't connect Squall、that. to them as far as I've seen. In the game's text, okay. Maybe it's again in one of those obscure tutorial、uh, menu sort of like <laughs>、right. history little things that、yeah. they put in the background. Maybe it can be found there. But as far as just like the game text dialogue between characters, I don't think they ever make the connection there.、Mm, no, but no. that is the case. Okay, Laguna is is Squall's father. Wow. So Cipher grew up watching a movie. Where he idolized his rival's father, <laughs> and wanted、wow. to become a sorceress's knight in honor of this this、yeah. hero he had as a child, which turns out to be his rival's dad,、wow. which is kind of a the, the crazy connection thing,、uh-huh. right? <laughs> But it, it, that's a that's like a detail that I'm sure 99% of people who played this game missed. The detail that that Cipher and Laguna do the same、mm-hmm. move. I didn't connect that. I, I had that the、connection. thought of, oh, this either this is a cruddy B movie based on a movie that Cipher watched, or、yeah. this is the movie Cipher watched. But I didn't base that on anything like that concrete. I was I just kind of had that thought. Yeah. Yeah. Wild man, that's cool. Hey guys, just wanted to make a quick note in addendum to kind of hammer this point home. I've got the Ultimania Archive Volume Two here. Which contains the seven, eight, and nine Ultimanias, and this page here, which is like Cipher's bio, right? It there's a quote. It's uh this one here, and the quote is from the Dalit mission from the beginning of the game. He says, "One of these days, I'm going to tell you about my romantic dream," and the insert. Underneath that says a movie from his childhood inspired Cipher's ambition to become a sorceress's knight. Pursuing this required him to give up his place in Balam Garden. So that more or less confirms that this movie that、uh, that he watched is where he got the idea to want to become a sorceress's knight. And、uh, the fact that he does that move—I mean, it's pretty much. Totally clear that that movie Laguna starred in was the movie that inspired. Uh, Cipher to want to become a sorceress's knight himself. So cool stuff. There's too much to talk about because it all interconnects, and that's why this is the last podcast of the whole series. <laughs> well, we're doing the Q and A. We're the we're the one、Q&A. next. We're doing the comment one, but、um, everything's connecting right now, and I don't know when to bring up the connections until the final one's made. Basically, and I then know. It's like okay, so we'll just leave it be for now. Hopefully, I remember. We're、it. we're kind of like. All over the place because there's really <laughs> just so many things that like、yeah. get paid off or, or even just in in like I said almost in passing like, like you could here, easily miss it. Do we talk about it when the yeah, hint? When is do we talk or, about it? Or、yeah. Do we talk about when it's actually like paid off? Or do we talk about it when the hint is left? Or like, anyways, there's just so much <laughs> going much, on here.、Much. It's hard to organize thoughts. 
But but that movie that is movie, hilarious because yeah. that director was like not very good. Yeah. And his his action stuff and oh this is gonna be great. Oh this shot's so great and he's like it's, it's an actual it's real just a little dragon. handheld. Yeah, he's just a handheld. Boy, that shot. dragon looks pretty real. They don't have any like, like whoa, anybody with like a bounce or yeah uh, no a sound nothing the, the, even like a guy yeah rolling sound yeah. or anything. It's just a guy with a camera. It's hilarious. But, but yeah, the a real dragon shows up, and so <laughs> Laguna has to fight yeah, the fight dragon. Fight this dragon. And the director cuts and runs. The actress, she's out. Um, yeah, so he has to fight the dragon. And uh, Kyrus and Ward end, end up joining up, him. You fight it and kill it, and that's kind of the end of it. Yeah, that's kind of the end of the dream. But like that dream, more or less. I mean, other than doing this sort of like underhanded setup about like this connection with Cipher or whatever, which most people missed, is more yeah. or less just a last ditch effort. For LNA mm. to try to change the past. And you know what's funny about it specifically? I got the feeling that that dream was not intentional from LNA. Yeah. That, that because of all the things we see of Laguna, there's a reason. He's doing something, he's talking about something, he's going somewhere, he's with someone. With this one, there it's nothing. It's just some random chapter of Laguna's life that's funny and fun, and I love it. Yeah. But it's not relevant to the story it doesn't in seem any to real be way, except connected that, to the plot. Except that being the Sorcerer's Night is some kind of some kind of cultural, like, relic, like a phenomenon, like an archetype. The 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 Sorcerer's Night in yeah. that world, you kind of get to see that. But when after that dream is over, there's a few moments where Squall is still kind of connected with connected. LNA. Yeah, and she uses that word. She says we're connecting, and she kind of apologizes. She's like, sorry. I can't disconnect. I don't know why. Well, she does. I think she does know why. She mentioned something about how she's dreaming or she's just trying desperately or to to do this. It seemed to me though that this one was different from all the others. Yeah. And she's apologizing. She's talking to Squall now yeah. directly, and it seems to me like she kind of is like asleep. Like she's doing this unintentionally. I don't know yeah. if that's. Uh, really yeah, I, I kind of felt the same way. And yeah. the important part that you get out of this is that she accepts and comes to realize the past cannot be changed. She can't do All it, of no this matter th- what that I've been does. trying to do, it's in yeah. vain. The past cannot be changed. And that's a very important rule yeah. for the way that time works in the world of Final Fantasy VIII. Yes. The past is set. Mm-hmm. The future is set. So fate as a concept is very real in this world. Yeah. There's nothing you can do like you know, you know, uh, in a lot of other time travel models, let's say, um, you go back in time, you change something that mm. sets a new timeline, a new course, yeah, right? Yeah. So it's like you've almost jumped dimensions or jumped timelines now. And now you're in yeah. a totally different timeline than before. And like, you know, you have others where like you can like leap between timelines to try to find like get back to the one that you <laughs> belonged to. Like yes. there, there, that serve that's a, a model for a lot of different time travel stories, mm-hmm. where um, there's multiple universes or multiple timelines. Yeah. That is not the way time works in FF8's world. Right. And so like a lot of people who try to like figure out what the freak time compression's all about and what. Is happening with the time traveling. Mm-hmm. It's important to understand that in FF8's world, it is a locked singular timeline that can't be changed. Mm-hmm. So the idea is, is that if someone from the future, if, if you were sent, let's say, from the present day back into the past, anything that you do happened in your actual history. Right. Anything right, that right. you do, any choice that you make, anything you do is something that already happened in right. your past. Yeah. So there's really nothing you can do to change it. So this is when LNA realizes 
she can't change the past. Yeah. But Squall yeah. all of a sudden gets the idea that he can change what happened to Renoa. And it, the same <laughs> way, because last time he talked to LNA, yeah. um, she's like, oh, I'm trying to change the past, some, such and such, right? It's not mm-hmm. working, but I'm trying. Um, and then this time, when she finally admits that it didn't work, it reminds Squall that that's what she was even trying to do in the first place. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, and this is, I feel like this might be, tell me what you think about this. What if LNA can't change the past, but yeah. sorceress, the sorceress, the sorcerer, the multiple sorceresses, what if they all believe that, well, you can't do it, but I could? Yeah. Well, right, that's, that's, powerful. It, that's essentially, I could change the past. That's essentially, right. what, that's what Ultimisha is hoping time compression will do. So, right? yes. So I almost think that Squall has that same kind of, I don't know, I guess you'd call it arrogance, like yeah. in, in a sense, or desperation of, yeah, I get it, whatever. You couldn't change the past. I'm not you. Yeah. So let's do this. Yeah. I'm going to try. I'm going to do it. Maybe you can't do it because you're not strong enough or you're not smart enough, but I'm going to find out a way. Yeah. yeah. So um, I feel like that's kind of where he's operating. I feel that connects a little bit with the, what the sorceress is. Yeah, it, it's partly his, like, unraveling mind at this point, his, like, yeah. desperation, his emotions what else taking over. Do? Like, what else can I do? Right. I know that you Other can take me to the past. past. Take me into Renoa's past. Right. But she's like, I don't know Renoa, so right. I can't send her. Yeah. And that's when he decides, I'm going to bring her to you. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to put her on my back and yeah. carry her to if I have to. That's, that's essentially where that all That happens. becomes his primary motivation pretty much from that point yeah. forward is to find LNA, not to find LNA, but to have LNA help him rescue Renoa. Exactly, <laughs> even though she just said that she can't do it. She yeah. tried, can't He's do convinced it. that he's going to find yeah. a way to do it. He'll figure right? it out. So so that's why, yeah, yeah, he's he leaves or is eager to go find LNA. So you go around Centra, the Centra continent, and uh, find the white seed ship, and you give him a letter from Idea to like verify. Yeah, she gave it to you at the orphanage. You, yeah, and that she's no longer the sorceress anymore. Right, or is at least not actively the sorceress. So then we learn about the white seeds. They're basically orphans too. Yes, like they're just a separate kind of orphan thing from yeah. the orphanage that we grew up. Exactly, in, because LNA was sent away early on. That's when Squall was yeah. separated from her, and they sent her on that ship to like keep her away from yeah. Adele and and all that other yeah. stuff. So like they started almost a second orphanage on that ship. Mm-hmm. So uh, she Elena kind of grew up as almost like someone who kind of helped take care of the kids. Yeah, because she was older. So she helped yeah. take care of the kids at the orphanage, and then with this white ship, she yeah. also was the oldest, I guess, right. and was helping take care of all those kids too. Yeah, and they grew up to be seeds, I suppose. The white seeds as well. Yeah. yeah. So, anyways. Um, you go there looking for her. She's not there anymore. Um, the, the she left on her own, yeah. of her own accord. Yeah, they were like freaked out by it. They're Galbadia like, I can't believe she did this. Ships came, and yeah. they were like, "Oh crap!" And they're like caught, but they were then they were caught in a battle between Esthar ships, yeah. and Galbadia ships, which should have been a bigger deal that they talked. About. They should have been like, out of the blue, Esthar showed up. This is insane. We haven't seen Esthar for 20 years. Like, this yeah, is crazy. exactly. Uh, like, an alien ship just showed up. Like, you didn't know this existed, and it just showed up yeah. in the middle of your battle. But instead, they were just like, yeah, there was a battle between Esthar and Galbadia. That's actually it was a good crazy. point. They didn't really, like, make no, a, dude. A, a much emphasis on Esthar well, showed up. What the fetch? And given what <laughs> Esthar is and what we yeah. learned about them, like, that ship probably looked pretty freaking different yeah, from the Galbadia ship or whatever. for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so, anyways, they just kind of gloss over it. They're just like, yeah, it's Esthar. But 
Uh, the Esthar ship, I suppose, like wins the battle, right? Yeah, or scares them off. Or the Esthar people come aboard and they're like, "Where's LNA?" And the seeds turn them away. Yeah. But then Renault, or sorry, LNA, LNA herself goes and jumps runs on board. past the guards and jumps off ship and jumps on board because she ship. she knows Laguna is looking for her, yeah. right? So she's trying to go back to Laguna. Yeah, we'll we'll get into the whole why Laguna is involved with SR later, but <laughs> this is me being paranoid. I just want to make doubly sure that this is recording. Okay, it is. Okay, good. Um, yeah, so she's not there. Um, so it's like, okay, she's in Esthar now. So that's when they decide we need to go to Esthar. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's when Squall s- announces we're going to Esthar. That's the next step. We got to find LNA, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, but then he's like, okay, I'm casting off this burden. I can't do it anymore. Takes Renoa on his shoulders yep. and starts walking a highway across the now, ocean. Uh, there's <laughs> another weird thing because. <laughs> <coughs> he like wakes up early in the morning. Yeah. Picks up Renoa, leaves without anyone knowing. But <laughs> well, maybe okay. By the time he gets to the end of the highway, everyone's there. And yeah. it, in fact, um uh what's his name? The the, the shotgun guy. Irvine. <laughs> Irvine. <laughs> Never gonna remember his name. Irvine had gone ahead, I think, with Selfie to take a look ahead to see like yeah, what was up. So whatever. they had already been through Esthar and we'd look north, south, and that whole continent. Well, while we thought we were being sneaky, sneaky and getting and, up early, yep. they were already there. But as they're crossing that highway, well, this is the craziest thing because he he goes to pick her up, and as we're doing this, we're we're reading some of his thoughts where he's yeah. like, "I can't do this anymore. They're on their own. They can find their own new leader, right? They'll yeah. be fine without me." All I care about right now is Renoa. And this is where it really, this is like what you're talking about, where he's like crying over her and he just like can't get over her or mm-hmm. any, the fact that she might be dead. Like yeah. he just can't deal with it. So he just picks her up and leaves. And thinking that, oh, they won't let me do this. I have to do it on my own and I have to be secret about it. They're not going to like, right? like they don't want me to take Renoa and go walking because I don't know, she could die. They're going to be out in the wilderness. No one even knows anything about Esthar. Yeah, it, it would just kind of feel like the guy's losing his mind to have done yeah. something as irrational as It's that. like, dude, you're crazy. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. But um, on the on the highway, as they're just walking, <laughs> it's a massive highway, and I can't believe he did that in one day. It doesn't make any sense. But um, halfway through, he puts her down. He's got to take a rest, and he just kind of yeah. is looking out. And he kind of starts talking to her as though she's there, you know? Yeah. And he, that's where he admits, where he's like, I do have all these feelings and all these thoughts, but it's easier for everyone to just think I'm a mean jerk than to actually deal with the emotional complexity of my life. Yeah. And it's way easier, and that's fascinating. Um, well, and also there's the whole separation anxiety or trauma from his past. So, from his Like, own, he doesn't yeah. want to get close to people because I'm going to be separated from them eventually, and this is something that's right. been rooted in him since, a very, since he was a very young child. Yeah. So, like, there's all this pain associated with the process of getting close to people. Mm-hmm. Even, unlikely said even last time, even though the GFs made it so we can't even remember who uh-huh. his sis is, and when he sees yeah. her, he doesn't even recognize who she no, is. No, and, and it's, it's not more even a great reunion, really. No. It's just like, oh yeah, what's he up, doesn't, LNA? Hey, um, he doesn't by the even way, know yeah, no, he doesn't know her at all. He knows very basically nothing about her. But the pain of the loss yeah. was enough to guide everything he did and how he dealt with people yeah. his whole freaking life. And so he, th- that is a lot of really good stuff. I, I feel like it's very his, human. His yeah. the way he's talking to her, like all that dialogue. I really liked that. 
Yeah. And it felt very convincing. I thought so too. Very real for the character. A real, a real moment of sort of like realizing, yeah, like I've got yeah. problems. And he's being really honest with himself, which is more yeah. important, right? Sometimes it just helps to have someone there to talk to. And it really helps when you know that someone isn't listening. Isn't listening. You're just <laughs> like talking Like a dog to or a cat. Yeah. Or, yeah, just like you're just talking. You feel like you're talking to someone, but you're not. Now, right. I thought that when, when, if slash when she regains her consciousness, uh, that she would remember that. Right. But just because the way he said it, he's like, you better not tell anyone. He's acting like she's listening, you right. know, even though she clearly isn't. I thought she was going to actually have heard that because he threw in that line, mm-hmm. but uh, she never brought it up as far as I know. So I wanted to make a quick note here. I had actually put it in my notes, but I didn't end up saying it. I skimmed over it, unfortunately. But it's interesting that earlier in the game, if you'll remember, he talks about not wanting to bear the burdens of other people, right? He's beginning to really resent that responsibility. But now at this point in the game, he's literally bearing Renoa on his back as he carries her and carries her burdens uh, and the burdens that he feels, the responsibility that he feels towards her uh, down this highway across the ocean to try to get into Esthar. This change in direction that we've seen in the character. If you remember a couple episodes back, we talked about uh, what the theme of the game was, right? Um, how far can you get in life having this attitude that you can do it on your own, that you don't need other people, that you don't want their burdens on you? And, um, well, Squall is realizing that he can't, get, he can't get by in life that way. He does need other people. In particular, he needs Renoa, and he's willing to bear her burdens in a literal sense on his back as he's walking. So kind of a nice payoff for the theme there. Now tying this all back to this idea that a lot of people, or this feeling a lot of people have, mm-hmm. that this kind of just flips very suddenly. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden Squall feels like he's going way outside of his character yeah. and is... Um, acting out of character. I used to feel that way too. I do not feel that way anymore. Considering the slow boil of emotions, the resentment he shows over time to being Mm. a leader, the frustration with that, all the pressure that builds in the the Galbadia battle sequence, Sid continuing to insist you're the leader here even though he's starting to really not care very much about that role mm. and is more concerned about <laughs> there's, there's saving too her. too much I want to talk it about. It really, really does. There's a lot of setup to it. Yeah. A lot more than I gave it credit for yes. in the past. Yeah. And so I, I would say that I no longer really have a problem mm. with what he does here. The fact yeah. that he like picks her up and leaves this irrational sort of like action it makes complete sense, make sense to me too, yeah. from understanding his psychological trauma and, mm-hmm. and understanding yeah. everything that's come up to this point. Now, the re- I, think, I think the reason why this is still something people feel so strongly, mm-hmm. it, it, it's not, it, I think it's more the dialogue itself might be a little mm-hmm. too, a little too far to feel in character because he's like, He's like kneeling over her, right? Like he falls over and he, he's like, his head's on the bed and he's like, yeah. please, I need to hear your voice. These right. types of phrases, I just need to hear your voice one more time. It sounds like Romeo and Juliet. It's a little bit of a cliche. It's a little too the much. The dialogue is a bit of a cliche yes. and it's not, it doesn't feel like a genuine expression from that character. Right. I'm not saying that he shouldn't be 
emotionally distressed because he should be. Mm. He's feeling these feelings all of a sudden, right? Um, or that even that uh, he, he, he would express that in, in a way that he hadn't in the past. Mm. It's just that I think it's just the words that are used. I would agree with that. Please let me hear your voice one more time. It's yeah. just a yeah. little over the top for Squall. For Squall. I could see someone like Selfie using words like this. Sure. Or, or somebody who's a, a more emotional uh, expressive person being mm-hmm. a little more over the top in how they express themselves, even in their own heads or whatever. But I think if the words had just been tweaked a little bit, it yeah. would have like taken the edge off of this and not made it feel like it's so sudden. Because it really isn't. I think that's it's true. not that sudden of a change right, in the I character. Agree. I agree. And uh, the sudden, if if the change is sudden at all, it's because somebody died, and that is a, that just changed people, yeah. right? But to this extent, I think you're right. I think that 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 probably is what people pick on the most is the dialogue specifically. There's an event that happens later on. That I'm going to talk more about this <laughs> with an event that happens later on because okay. it totally confirmed my suspicions. But it's not until we're in outer space, so right. we're going to have to deal with that one later. Um, but since you brought up Sid, yeah, ah, gosh, this is—I just don't want to forget this. I don't want to let this be lost, uh, left behind. Him being so hard on Squall mm-hmm. and being so pushy with Squall, mm-hmm. given how Squall has reacted to Renoa and all of this stuff. It's very similar to what happened with Adea, and Adea is Sid's wife. And you never got clued in much as to like how close they were, or like yeah. what did she have much to really do with Sid, or was this mostly Sid's idea, or did he like? It just the, their relationship seems so weird. Yeah. But there's something that happens at the very end of the game that um, you know helps you to kind of realize that Sid. Is fighting as hard for to get a Dea back? Yeah, you're as talking Squall about is fighting to being get Renoa the sorceress's knight. Right? Yeah, that is. Yeah, yeah. that I is. I made a note about that, so we'll definitely talk about that. The sorceress's knight theme is really hit strong here yeah. in this in this podcast. We'll, yeah. we'll hit on it several times, but um, he is working so hard to save his wife, and he needs Squall to do it, and he yeah. isn't willing to let Squall take a rest because he is as crazy about Dea as Squall is about Renoa, and he's like. Get pull yourself together. You're the leader. Start doing this. I can't do it right. myself. You have to do this. His pushing squall yeah. all the way through the game up to this point was really a more self-interested, a little bit more than it seemed motivation. Yes, yeah. because this is him trying to save his own wife. And then right. all of a sudden, making a 17-year-old the head of Balam Garden, it makes a little bit more sense when you look yeah. at it this way. Well, and, and understanding that he understands the whole time compression concept, and yes. he understands that there's really, and yeah. we'll get into time. Compression and fate in a minute, but this yeah. world, fate is a real thing in this world. Right. Like the future and the past are set in stone. Yeah. You can't change them. Right. So Squall is fated. This is why Libre Fatali, the the title, uh, yes, the children, children of fate. Yeah, that, I mean yeah. that's the, a theme of the game. They they, right. they are fated to do this, and they can't. And he it. knows this. Yeah. Because he's his wife is the sorceress, so he knows how it works, and yes. he knows what Ultimisha is <laughs> after, right? So. He, uh, he's pushing Squall into this role, knowing, again, I think you're, you're hearing the nail on the head is what I'm trying to say. I think so. And there's the, that suspicion is very much confirmed by something that happens at the very end, basically the credits scene. But, yeah, um, yeah that's fascinating because it's something that they don't even talk, you don't, they don't touch much on Sid's relationship with the day at all. 
uh, but you kind of can tell because of how Squall is acting with Renoa and the similar situation between Renoa and Adea that Sid's going through the same thing, the yeah. exact same thing. Yeah. Um, one more thing I wanted to touch on uh, before we move on to getting into Esthar and stuff is that um, I got into, I don't want to call it an argument. Uh, these, are, <laughs> these are people uh, who are regulars on the channel right. um, who I have had debates with a lot in the past. And, you know, they still watch and we still talk. So it's, it's good, no good. hard feelings or anything like that. But it was, you know, a bit of a spirited debate. Yeah. Um, and uh, one thing that I've seen uh, kind of commonly, um, you've known me longer than the people who watch the channel. So you might have seen over the years like changes in my personality or something right, right, and right. maybe can confirm this. But uh, the, the, uh, we'll the I, I think the general way that a lot of people see me is as this like strictly logical, rational thinking person who doesn't express very many emotions, doesn't like really understand emotional People, oh, right? I see where this is going. So, okay, okay. One thing that yeah. I- I has been kind of thrown at me a little bit is, oh, Mike, you're you're a you're a logical, rational thinker. You're you're a Spock type, right? So, like, you have a hard time understanding people who are more emotionally driven and who think more emotionally and that kind of thing. And, yeah. and, and so, like, something like this radical change in a person's feelings right. feels foreign or uh, un- unconvincing to you, but it's actually something that's very true to the way a lot of people operate. So right. I, I wanted to respond to that a little bit. Yeah. Um, because this isn't going to be the last podcast, by the way, for FF8. We're going to do one more after this, which will mostly be Just response responding to, questions, to yeah. cons, uh, comments. And, and also, announcing the new... Yeah, we're going to take a vote for the next <laughs> yeah. uh, game that we'll play. But also, um, anything we might have missed. Because every time we finish up one of these, I think of something else that, I oh, I meant to say that, and I right. didn't. So anything we might have missed to say, or comments, or whatever. But um, I want to respond to this comment now, because it's in relation to this concept about your feelings changing something. Right. I am not... I am not, it's not like I haven't had an experience like that before. I have. Oh, I, I'm aware <laughs> of several, yeah, so, of course. So, um, my first girlfriend, my first high school girlfriend, mm. um, I knew her for something like four years before I ever, uh, yeah. like, decided right. to it ask her out or try to like, date her I anything. left before yeah. you guys really, I was, yeah. I was in a band with her brother right. and another friend yeah. of ours, and I would yeah, go yeah. to their house every day for practice and things, yeah, yeah. and I had never felt any kind of romantic feeling about her right. until all of a sudden, I mean, I'm, I'm talking literally instantaneously. We went to Water and Ice, which is a, it's a, yeah, it's a yeah. shop in Arizona. Yeah. They have a lot of them where you go get like snow cones and things. And, and you buy and ice. Water and ice because the water <laughs> because in Arizona is undrinkable. It's terrible. You have to buy bottled water. <laughs> you have to yeah, buy water <laughs> and ice because the and tap ice. water sucks. The tap water is so bad. But yeah. we were at Water and Ice and I didn't have any money. And right. so she was like, oh, you're going to get something. I was like, no, I don't have money. And mm. she was like, well, I'll get it for you. She offered to pay for my freaking snow cone. <laughs> And as something as stupid and weird uh, as that, I just all of a sudden, I'm in love with you now. Wow. I cannot yeah. explain that. It makes no sense. Moment uh, A, you're a friend of mine. Yeah. Moment B, a second later, I'm in love with you. Like really, wow. really, really in love with you all of a sudden. Wow. 
And it's not because she offered to pay for my no, snow because cone. there was years there was of interactions before that. Something about the way she it did it. There was something, something along the lines of like the the feelings had existed, but you yeah, just didn't know. Didn't it. realize, you didn't realize it, it or yeah. something, yeah. right? And that. Thank you for saying that yeah. because that's also <laughs> leading into my point. Okay. It may appear to us mm. like it's instantaneous, but really, there's probably more. There's probably more of a buildup to it than right. you think. It's just yeah. emotionally, all of a sudden, the emotion sparked, and that's the moment uh-huh. that you remember. Like powerful emotions like that are what really kind of spark memories and and help us remember things long term. So, anyways, I'll probably cut like half of that out <laughs> because. It's, but the point is, is that I understand where people are coming from, and I've had experiences like those. Yes. I think most people have had experiences like those. Right. So. My qualms with, say, uh, the intro FMV that we're talking, that we'll talk about more a little bit, or in the past feeling like this was a very sudden change, had less to do with being a rational thinker, a logical thinker, Mm -hmm. and just not being able to comprehend an emotionally minded person. Right. And had more to do with the fact that there's still probably more convincing ways to do this Mm -hmm. while still being... A Nomura creator who's just kind of this artsy, really emotional yeah. thinker, right? Mm-hmm. Trying to communicate his ideas, um, and and people who you know say that they're also very emotionally based, they they seem mm-hmm. to resonate or it works for them or they can feel it, right? The feels right. before reels concept. Yes, feels before reels. I can reels. feel the feels he's yeah. send, sending to me through the screen, and, and you know, but I think that. I th- I'll get more into it in a minute or a little bit later. But my point is, is that like, there's still, I think, more effective ways to communicate it. And mm-hmm. I'm willing to go back on ways I used to think about mm-hmm. it, like with, with Squall here. I don't think it's as sudden as I used to think. Right. It's not. It's just that the dialogue seems a little over the top to me. But That's probably there's the actually a ton of setup for this. Yeah. It's not an immediate change. And even mm-hmm. if it was... Um, that wouldn't be totally out of bounds, right? Because I've had that experience. Well, especially before. since we're reading Squall's thoughts here, yeah. and we're seeing him in private, right? We're not, you know, maybe you guys you wouldn't say those exact words to other people, or you wouldn't think these thoughts out loud in general. But we're reading his mind, yeah. And so we're able to actually so that that may that may make it feel even more sudden than it is otherwise, yeah. Uh, because when his feelings and thoughts change. We're just reading his thoughts, and mm. that just it's just presented to us just as his thinking, and we're reading it on the screen. Yeah. And so it feels like, oh, what's what's his deal? What happened here? But he's a human thinking. That that's yeah. what happened, right? <laughs> yeah. And sometimes it's it's kind of hard to separate the fact that he's not saying this out loud. It's, exactly. It's almost like because we're not him, he's saying it out loud to us. Right. But yeah. really, this is a private thought. This is just thoughts that so he had. he's I'm never going to see her again. This sucks. Like, I don't like all this. All that's really yeah. happening in that scene with Ronoa is that he's like laying there on the bed right. depressed. Nothing's being said. He doesn't say like, right? I love you or anything, right? No. He's mostly just saying like, wake up. This is yeah. stupid. I feel awful. Like, wake up. Be, right. be who you used to be. He's yeah. not like professing his undying love the way that it I kind of felt like when I first yeah. played the game. I didn't feel that as much this time because he's he's not doing it. But it feels like he's doing that. You yeah. know that those are the feelings he's got that he's dealing with. But he's not saying that, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, anyways, 
I just wanted to put that out there. I understand what you're talking about, about emotions and, and communicating through more like of an emotional sort of way rather than like a logical way. But I think that there can be a marriage of those two things. Like you can still, I think, validly criticize something for being unconvincing or just like not like logically right. making much sense. Oh yeah, and that's definitely valid. Without being, uh, I don't know, dismissed because you're just this rational person. You just don't get how <laughs> these people are. Anyways, but, but right. I'm also trying to say I have changed my mind on this point about Squall and Renoa. I think it actually does work. Good. Me too. So, anyways. So, after that little discussion that he has with essentially himself on the side of the road, he picks her back up and keeps trudging along. Uh, we get to Esthar, and everyone's already there. They knew, they knew we were coming. I don't really know the specifics about how or why or whatever, but they've been there for a long time, <laughs> and yeah. they're just chilling, and... Um. <laughs> Quistus? No, 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 no. What's the one? Irvine? Irvine, dang it. <laughs> Kinsey. It's his last name's Kinsey. Kinius Kin- is his last I name. I keep wanting to call him something like that, but I, I imagine it is starting with a Q. Anyways, <laughs> Irvine and Selfie come back saying that they've explored the entire north and south of the whole continent. And so <laughs> now we should just go west or east. East, because that's yeah. the one place they haven't explored yet. Yeah. So that's how they're able to kind of keep us in a linear part of yeah, this game. Keep being moved they the don't right want direction. us to go explore Esthar right now. We're just going one place to one little valley, kind of, and they have that all in. Control. And it's really, I mean, three steps on the world map away from like where you start. It's like you, you come up and it's like, okay, there's like this icy, yeah, like ashy like a, yeah. looking little. And you're just area. Do, 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 do. You go one, two, three, bam, you're in there. Done. It's, uh, you didn't need much, <laughs> much explanation no, to know didn't. that that's where you should go next. But So um, you go in there, and Esthar is doing some funny, funny things because it doesn't look like there's anything there. Yeah. It just looks like a weird. But you rocky see these glitches labyrinth. in the background. Yes, every now and then. On the, on the pre render backgrounds, there's a little like, meh, meh, like this yeah. on, in the sky. Yeah, and kind know. of like an octagonal shape or hexagonal. Kind of a weird little glitch thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, they're hiding back there. It's a Chicken Little. Did you did you see the movie Chicken Little from no, like two thousand two? Do man. they have a? The sky's falling, but it is really like there's a panel of the sky that falls, uh, like the Truman Show. They've got like a fake so sky. So it's like yeah, and it falls and it hits somebody in the head, and that's how he knows the sky's falling because it yeah. really a panel fell. Anyways, that's basically the technology Esthar has. They just are projecting. They're projecting a wilderness that wilderness, isn't there. Yeah. And to apparently no one city. has ever like been looked, able to find it. Yeah, I, don't <laughs> I don't know if I believe that, especially since there's a highway going. Well, right usually up to it. it's it's kind of a fantasy concept you see in a lot of other things. I think even Final Fantasy IX does this. Like the, the they yes. conceal uh, the Black Mage Village with a ah. magic that sort of like projects more forest. Yes. But really, and you get lost in that forest. You know, it's right, like they have this more. spell up the just oh, You continue getting lost in the forest. I think Black Panther does something too. There's like a yeah. fake mountain. And yeah. you just fly through it, and you're in the through the illusion the city. and What's into the, city the real. Uh, I forget the place. I forget what it's called. Yeah, that city. <laughs> Anyways, they kind of do that. Yeah, that's true. That's a general idea. I don't think it's a good idea, though. I don't like you've <laughs> got to like the black mages. There may be some magic confuses people, turns them away. Yeah. Right. But people go places and do things and climb. Like even if you're projecting this this. Uh, impassable labyrinth of razor-sharp rocks. Someone's, <laughs> Frodo and Sam are going to go there. Someone's going to find their way there. Yeah. Someone is going to go through it and figure out what's going on. Basically. Well, it's, yeah, it's like if, if uh, Squall and company can sort of bumble into it. 
Well, I think a part yeah. of it is that it's like malfunctioning or something really. Yes, weird. but but like how you often would think is it like Galbadia didn't like yeah they fly never... an airship there. I guess yeah. they don't have them. They don't really have airships. That's do true. They? they don't. It's our pretty garden much, was basically pretty built much by... only Esthar has that technology. Yeah. So. And our garden flying is because it was built by the Fishman's Horizon well, people and who were I was from actually, Esthar. Right? I was actually going to bring that up because the only way to get to Esthar, you can't like take the garden there because it's kind of right. like sheer, um, I don't know what you call it, like coast. It doesn't have like a, a, a smooth coastline you can like yeah, go up you can't to go it. Up there. It's kind of like it's like a taller cliff face shoreline or whatever. So maybe the idea is that you can't just like sail and just like enter Esthar. It's uh-huh. basically just one road leading into it is the only way in there. And but apparently that road leads really close to where, <laughs> where to where it all is. I don't know. But yeah, anyways, I don't think you're meant to think that much about it. But nope. So Esther's there. They're just hiding. <clears throat> They're chilling. They got a big TV that's <laughs> showing the mountain, but there's no mountain. So uh, you go in there and you just don't really know what to think. And you start meeting a few people and you're like, "What? This? It's super futuristic. It, yeah. But it's not real futuristic. It's. Have you seen the movie Metropolis? Or have you heard of the old movie from like 1927 or something? Oh, like the way they saw the future. Yeah. Like um, the 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 Jetsons. Yes, exactly. (laughs) The way people saw the future a long time ago. That's the kind of city that Esthar is, that they are in Esthar. It's not what we would consider to be the future today or even in the 90s. But it was a lot closer to like... Kind of like a fantastical sort of... Yeah. Where yeah, it's like futuristic and everyone's, I don't know. It's, it, it doesn't make sense logistically, like in any way. But uh, yeah, it's this crazy Jetsons kind of futuristic city. And uh, you're kind of talking to people and all you're doing is being like, take us to the king. We need her to Dr. Um, the president, Dr. The, Odine. Odine, yeah. Take us yeah. to, we got this girl here. Help us. And um, Edea comes with us. And she's like, Squall, let me do the talking. Like, yeah, shut sh- up. Please stop. Yeah, stop <laughs> it right now. Because Squall's here. like almost threatening people. Like, take me where I want to go right now or else. He's become thing. obsessive. Yes, over about Renoa. Yeah. Even though now he's around all the people and he's being weird around people, but he has accepted himself that I'm weird. I'm a weirdo. Uh, he's I got accepted this obsession his feelings with this girl and now and he's, he's, de- yeah. he's uh, dived headfirst, yes. dove headfirst into the deep end of this yes. <laughs> quest to save <laughs> and Even though it's uh, very awkward for him, it's like he is finally willing to show some sort of softer side because he needs help. Because of Renault, he can't do it himself. Yeah. He needs other people for the first freaking time in his life, as far as he's concerned. He needs somebody else to help him. And so yeah. he's willing. He tried to sneak off alone, but people found him, whatever. We're still going. We're going to Esther. We're going to find somebody to help this girl out. And he's, he like doesn't care that everyone's there with him, that yeah. everyone can see his vulnerable, vulnerable side. Yeah. Yep. And then that's when you have the the flashback with Laguna, where he was imprisoned in Esthar for a while and escaped and yes. helped that Moomba character That's and right, yeah. um, found LNA again because she right. was taken by Esthar. That's the whole reason he went Because there, there was like a rebel faction within Esthar. Yeah, so it's a, kind of like the rebels... An Adele resistance yes, kind of thing. Yes, the people who were resisting the Galbadian government, like Timber and elsewhere... Um, in Esthar, they had a similar kind of thing. And Dr. Odin, Odine or Odin? Odine. Odine. That's how I say it. <laughs> so he, um, was, he, was, he was not part of the resistance, but he, 
he's just a crazy scientist who likes to He just to cares do, about his research. And he doesn't care who he's serving, whether it's the sorceress or the king or the president. As long he as he can build care. the machine he's working yes. on, he doesn't care. And so he is kind of does things for the resistance, but he also does things not for the resistance. But his technical job is for the sorceress. So he's keeping LNA. Oh, wait, this is back in the past. We yeah, kind of so, hear about this. So we're yeah, going to Laguna, so right? LNA is captured, and Odine is doing uh, experiments on her. Yeah. For something he's working on for his research. Basically, he's like reading the, the brain waves that she has. Yeah. Like he's analyzed her brain, basically. And so even when Laguna shows up to rescue her, he's able to take that data and build a machine, kind of, that yes. can reproduce her yes. thought pattern frequencies. That's what's revealed later is that his entire goal is to create essentially a machine that does what LNA does. Yes. That the, takes this ability to, the past. to like take someone's consciousness into the past. Yeah, yeah. That's what he's working on. We don't know that until later, but right. that's that's essentially what why they want LNA and mm-hmm. what he's working on. But yet like you said, his allegiance Falls to whoever. It's just where as long as, as he can. We continue threaten him research. just a little bit, and he's like, "Ah, Elena's over <laughs> this way." And then it sh- at first, I, when that scene first happened, I was like, "She's not going to be. He's lying." We just let him go. We had the perfect chance. We had Odin, and we let him go, and he just told us some lie. We go there, and she's there. Like yeah. Odin didn't care. He was like, "You want your girl back? Whatever, take her. I got the stuff I needed. You can have her. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care what the sorceress wants. I just know that I got what I needed." Yeah. So he's done. So, anyways, uh, you go to him. You find him there in Esthar and explain the situation. We're trying mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, help Renoa. The, she, the sorceress's power has passed on yeah. to her. What do we? And need by to him, do? you mean Laguna, right? Uh, oh, sorry. Oh, I've, gone ba- I've gone back into. I, I, you're We're right. in Laguna's place. We, we after the Laguna scene is over. After that's <laughs> over. Okay. After he's reunited with LNA, that that scene kind of ends. Um, and you go back to the present, and Squall and company meet with Odine, and it, yeah. explain that they're trying to help Renoa. Um, you know, he basically demands Squall demands to, to be helped. Yes, and um, and Odine and Idea is also yeah. you know trying to find a way to like right. make sure that she's not going to get taken. over. Exactly, that's her reasoning. Sorry. But she's looking for Doctor Odine to see if he can't extract the spirit of the sorceress from out her, of her, so that yeah. she doesn't have to be taken over again. Yeah, uh, for the rest of her exactly. life. Exactly. So that's the reason that she's there with us. Yeah. Right? So, but he um, talks about um, yeah. you got to go to the lunar base. You got to go to you know in order to help Renoa, you got to take her. And up we to don't the, know quite what the, the lunar, lunar base, base means. We don't it's a lunar gate. Or lunar so gate. Go to the lunar says. gate, yeah. and it's like okay, you can you can imagine what they're talking about. But it's kind of as far as what we've seen from Final Fantasy VIII, there is no technology to to do this. So yeah. what does lunar gate mean? Maybe lunar is a code word or something. Yeah. They don't really. Uh, tell you exactly what it is. But Dr. Odin's uh, condition is, sure, you guys can go, I can't remember exactly why he does this. He's like, but you have to leave Renoa with me, basically. Yeah, for study. Yeah, and I don't know why Squall was okay with that. I don't know why. It's very important for the story. You're not taking Renoa there Mm. for him to help Renoa. You're going there for Idea to have the yes. sorceress excised yes. out of her. Right. And, and Odine is saying he can do this. He yeah, has, he's like, piece of cake. He has the ability to basically, what does he say, exorcise? Exorcise the spiritual the spirit of sorceress out of her. Yeah. Ultimicia out yeah. of Idea. 
And while they're there, Squall is demanding to know where Elena is. Right. Again, because Squall's idea is that Elena will send me yeah. into the past. I can go back to a moment mm -hmm. before Elena or Renoa fell into a coma and save her and prevent that from having changed. And past. he doesn't care much about Adea's deal. Yeah. So Adea's so, like, "Hey, help me not be a sorceress anymore." And cl or a cloud. <laughs> Sorry, <clears throat> Squall is like, "Yeah, yeah, whatever." So where's LNA? And but he's like super threatening about it. He's yeah. like, "Take me to LNA now." And Doctor Odin's like, "What are you gonna take me as a hostage? Like, what's your deal?" And he's like, "Take me to LNA right now." He's like really about to lose it. Yeah. Because it seems like they know where she is, and he's been looking for her, and he's yeah. like, it's like right at his fingertips, and he just can't like constrain himself. Um, and so these people are like, "Yeah, sure, we'll take you to Adea." Sorry, we'll take you to LNA, but. On one condition. On one condition, you have to leave Renoa. Allow for me a while. to examine Renoa. Yeah, right. And they don't say anything about a moon, or they don't. They yeah. just they just say, "Hey, we'll take you to her. You need to leave Renoa." And he, I, the way I feel is he was not going to accept their offer. Yeah. Except Idea steps in and says, "Take take their offer. Like accept the offer, Squall. Yeah. Like Idea is showing a, a high level of trust in these people and Doctor Odine, who's crazy." And in the the regents and the people who kind of run the the area, the place in Estar, um, you know, Idea trusts them. She seems to. Yeah. And so her confidence in them, I think, gives Squall the confidence to be like, okay, it will be okay. I'll leave her just for a little bit this once. It will be okay. But of course, on his way out, he's like, you better not touch her, and he's yeah. like really forceful about it. Yeah. So I think that's an that's a that's an interesting moment for him because he would not have left her. Alone, I don't think. Yeah. Otherwise, he's like obsessing over her. So they go off to the Lunar Gate, which is where they were told to go. Yeah. And, and that they would be taken to where LNA is at. Yes. Right? So that's that's where they're headed. And you get there, you find out that this is actually, essentially, like a, a station where they'll send you into space to where they have a space oh, yeah. station on like a ramp. It's not like a space shuttle. It's like, it's like a. It's like, like a ramp yeah, thing. Boom! They just like shoot you up into space. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And the moon is huge in this game, by the way. In this yeah. world, they just have a big moon, I guess. Really big moon. Um, but uh, anyways, uh, when that happens, you have to choose a party. Obviously, Squall's going to go. Renoa's going to go. So you choose one other person. Mm. And they all go up to the lunar base, the space station. And everybody else realizes, whoa, something crazy is happening. Oh my gosh, this huge pillar tower thing is floating over the city of Estar. What <laughs> they, is they, that? They had no idea. What is that thing? What yeah. is going on? So it kind of like splits into two like stories at that point. And so like Zell and Idea and those guys that remain behind kind of mm -hmm. go to learn what this lunatic Pandora tower thing is yeah. all about. Uh, and then... Squall and Renoa and I sent Irvine up there, but you can send whoever you want, uh, goes up to the Lunar base. Yeah. So um, there's not really that much to talk about with Lunatic Pandora, except that like you go in there and Dr. Odine essentially explains um, more or less, like I remember thinking that the whole concept of monsters on the moon being like launched into space and down to the planet being like a very yeah. weird and very sudden concept to just announce through yes. the game all of a sudden. Yes. It's like, where was the setup to that? And it's not that there was much setup, but I there think was there's, a little. there's some 
optional dialogue with yeah. Odine after he essentially explains this is the lunatic Pandora. Oh. It's a tower, you know, that, that they, they say the lunar cry. So they the an, lunar announce cry. Yeah, what yeah. the event is called. Yeah. But then you have to like specifically ask him about what the lunar cry is. And he kind of says, oh, it's how monsters like get to this planet or something like that. So like this tower is going to move into a spot and it's going to like activate this what is like essentially a like a gravity yeah. uh, field mm-hmm. that, that that a link to the yeah. moon that creates they this gravity like pull. field that pulls yeah, these monsters yeah. that originate from the moon down to the planet. That's like where monsters come from. And mm-hmm. there was another such event thousands of years ago yeah. that happened in Centra. Now this part I don't think they explained to you in the text of the game. Maybe mm-hmm. it's in one of those tutorial menus that I didn't read, but. Yeah. Um, that the, so the Centra continent at the bottom where the orphanage is at, mm. it's like a totally deserted continent, right? There's nothing right. there. That's but true. that used to be a powerful nation like uh, a long time ago. Uh. And the last lunar cry was the reason why that nation was destroyed pretty wow. much. So anyways, this lunar cry is about to happen on Esthar's continent and the results would obviously be disastrous. So anyways, that's what that floating pillar thing is. So Zell and company like go jump into it to like try to like stop yeah. it. And what you realize is that that was what Galbadia was excavating in that dreams, the second dream sequence with Laguna. Remember when you're running through with uh, Kiros and Ward uh, and Laguna yeah, yeah. and you're going down all those ladders? Because part of when you're inside that, that pillar, yeah. part of it looks just like It is the those same caves. place. Yeah. Uh, those caves that they were excavating, right? So Galbadia yeah, essentially discovered yeah. the lunatic Pandora, didn't know yeah. what it was. But uh, that's what the sorceress Ultimicia sent Cypher to go retrieve yes. because they had As buried this later. thing in the ocean. Right. And so like he went and basically revived it and is now flying it to Tears Point yeah. where he's going to initiate this second lunar cry, right? Um, and anyways, th- it's kind of cool though because in the Laguna sequence, as you're playing through it, there are certain like little things that you can activate, like doors you can open, yes. or things that you can, like keys yeah. you can pick up and drop that will essentially allow you in this run through with the modern day yeah. party to get certain like um, items and different like treasures and stuff oh, nice. that you would not be able to get had you not done those things with Laguna in the past. Nice. So they kind of connect <laughs> those two sequences together That's cool. That's cool. in that way. So like Laguna essentially like prepared the way for you to find these treasures in this run here at the end of the game. So that's kind of a cool little gameplay connection they did between those two sequences. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, Zell and party fail to like stop. Yeah, the there's this big Pandora. like guardian thing that comes down and kind of the second you touch it, it just boots you out. Like blasts us out. It's like, oops, oh uh, man, we can't get on it now. It's too late. And you have like three chances to get on it, but once it boots you out, it's kind of gone. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, that's what the lunatic Pandora is. That's you know some history on on what it is. Um, but uh, the when you're going up to the space station, I don't know if you noticed this. You've seen 2001: A Space Odyssey, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So that waltz kind of like yes. theme that they play I, I got that earlier from, in the yeah. game. It's it's pretty common. I, I don't remember if uh, I think it's maybe the theme of Dalit. Like when you're in the Dalit town, oh, yeah. it's like the music that plays in Dalit. Yeah, I think I understand my yeah. Yeah, so like that music is playing while you're like 
pod, your little rocket or whatever, it, is going up the space station. It felt very 2001 is 100% yeah. a reference to 2001 A Space oh, yeah, Odyssey, which I really appreciated yeah. because 2001, it, at least the novel, is probably my favorite or one of my favorite sci-fi novels oh, yeah. of all time. Nice. And I really love that movie. It's mm-hmm. a freaking amazing classic film. Yeah, very well done. Um, so, like, that was kind of a cool little homage I felt. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if anybody else is... I mean, certainly somebody else has had to make that connection point. I haven't seen yeah. anyone talk about that. But it's like, that's... Because I had just watched 2001. Oh, yeah. The day before I played this part of FF8. Oh, nice. I had watched it again. And I was like, wait a second. Nice. That's why they're playing that music. Like, that's... Because right. I, I was like, this is kind of a strange decision and some of for the music shots that they're using as well yeah of the the big thing is it's rotating and the way that you're seeing it it, it was very reminiscent of that yeah But it, it's totally because they they were playing uh, you know classic waltz because in two thousand one uh, Stanley Kubrick had originally hired a composer to do the music for the movie original mm-hmm. music for the movie oh yeah and he had scored the whole film yeah and then he like basically that that composer wasn't even told about this he went to the premiere thinking his music was in the movie oh, my and gosh. Kubrick had replaced it with these like you know like old like uh, Mm -hmm. waltzes from hundreds of years ago or whatever wow and so like (laughs) he was like what the heck (laughs) but like yeah like Kubrick's idea of like the you know uh, the this sort of like subtle dance between like the space station's orbit and Uh and the shuttle's orbit as they dock was the reason he decided to make it a waltz that kind of is the feeling I got there was it was like it was almost as if there was a subtle dance kind of happening between like the docking station and the ship with like the gravity ring kind of going around yep yeah very cool it felt totally like this is an intentional homage to 2001 so I liked that I thought that was kind of cool I loved how they catch like ships coming up because they show up and there's like these like digital shields that appear and there's like 30 of them and then you like pop 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 you just like go through each one as it slows down your momentum until you get to the last one and then it catches you more or less in like a gravity field so you arrive at the space station I actually really like that first kind of um, shot I guess you call it the first composition screen composition where inside you're, or? you're standing on the you're standing yes, sideways yes. and you get out and um, there's no gravity and you just yeah. kind of float out and then you, and the gravity then someone gets turned comes on walking and, in on the side. And yeah. then you're like walking sideways. They kind of do yeah, that a couple loopy. of different times where you're like either like upside down or whatever. Yes. I will say though, I don't appreciate it when locked camera um, pre-rendered background games do things like that. Because it's hard to know <laughs> but what's yeah, forward. It's and like, it's already kind of direction hard. is which. <laughs> but when they start playing with, with space, then it's like, okay guys, your, your system's really hard as is. <laughs> Don't make me reorient myself again needlessly to this new. Yeah. But the, as far as the aesthetic, it looked really nice. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, it was cool. And so... Um, and apparently Renoa has, has already... So Odin f- yeah, filled his they, they loaded She's her She's already up been blasted into the, um, They loaded her up into the same pod that you go up on. Because yeah. he's like carrying her again once they're like yes. on the ship. And he they go put her into some kind of like stasis pod looking thing. Right, so that they can help her or do something. Yeah, and then it's like, okay, let's go find LNA. 
So you go find her. She's the, so that was the the thing. They took him to yeah. help her find Elena. Elena's being held, or I guess protected by More remaining on this space station up in space. And she, Elena, that meeting is very interesting between Squall and Elena. Yeah, because this is the first time they've met. Yes, and. Well, well, they met in the garden earlier. Oh, you're right, but but he didn't realize who she was. Who she was. Now that he knows, now he knows. So this this is is big sis. This is big sis, and now they're meeting for the first time in however long. And it's it's just not really a deal for Squall or Elena. Really, they're both just kind of like, yeah, like stuffs happened, and our lives are kind of crazy. Anyways, what what do you want? Yeah, (laughs) go go find Renoa. You know. So it was a very interesting conversation I thought they had. Yeah, I mean, Cause that, it wasn't was, that was kind of like his, he, he relives this trauma of losing Sis. Yeah. But now it's like he doesn't even care about that almost anymore. Not at all. He doesn't really care about Sis really in general, yeah, how she's doing, he, what she's been doing her whole life. And this kind know? of reinforces what we talked about last time about, like, again, the pain of the trauma is really the point that matters more than what you actually lost. Because you yes. can't even remember what you lost. He can't even yes. remember who she was. You don't recognize her when you see her he again. He didn't really care. He doesn't too. have a relationship yeah. with her anymore. She's almost like a stranger to him. Mm-hmm. And she also, I don't. We don't know much about her. Uh, she seems a little too perfect given what she's gone through. Um, but you look at Squall and you look at what made him so reclusive. Yeah. And it is essentially this girl leaving him who wasn't his real sister. It was somebody who he'd known for, I don't know exactly how long, but she left and he had to be brave and suck it up, right? You look at Elena's freaking life, dude. Her parents died. Mm -hmm. Then she got abducted to do experiments. Then somebody saved her and gave her to some adoptive parents to to Rain. Then Rain dies dies and she becomes an orphan again and then gets sent to all these different places. Everywhere she goes, she always has to be the motherly figure. And and then she's running for her life all the time. And then, yeah, she gets gets captured. And now she's in outer space. Like, she's only like 24. Like, why? Her whole life has been. Her whole life's been absolutely disaster. Yeah. And trying to be protected because of her powers. Like she's still trying to help other people. She's still she like, has herself she's together not, a little she's not more resentful. Yeah, than you might expect. And then Squall, who who lost essentially a very good friend when he was very young, has that has destroyed his life. Destroyed basically. his life. It's completely ruined him and yep. changed him into this weird person. Who, when he finally does have feelings that he he has to let out, nobody believes him. Right? Even and I'm, and I'm talking as the players, the game players. We're yeah. like. I don't believe it. That, that's not who this guy is. But he's still a human. He still experiences this stuff. But we don't even really believe it necessarily because he he's so broken as a character. He just we can't see him ever doing that. And yeah. then here's Elena, who had what you would consider to be a very difficult life, very traumatic um, childhood. And of course, Squall's still an orphan. I'm not discounting his whole experience. It's just Elena's was worse. Yeah. And she's she's and she is a bit older, granted. But you know, her whole situation is is just completely different. And uh, Squall just can't handle what Elena seems to be very, very adept. She at seems handling. better at handling, or I don't know. I, I think you bring up a good point, though. It would have been nice if somehow we could get a little more uh, insight into how she has like learned to cope. Yeah, with like all the stuff she's there's, been through. There's a lot at the end of this game that. And you know that there's a lot because of the way they end it and the way that ending scene goes. That you know they. There's a lot of loose ends to tie up, and well, they just don't really tie most of them up. I just really. remembered that um, 
they had initially planned to have a lot more Laguna sequences in the game. Oh, that's right. Because remember, they had originally, so probably like, would have half of the LNA. story was supposed to be Laguna, and half the story was supposed to be Squall. Yeah. There probably would have been a lot more of that yeah. had they not had to cut all that. Because they had originally created an entire, like, uh, overworld map yeah. for the Laguna, for Laguna sequences. Yeah. And they had to cut all that out. So maybe maybe there was a plan to do more mm-hmm. with LNA and Laguna in the original story draft. But a lot of it just had to get cut out because it was too the game was too big, too ambitious. Yeah, um, I think it does kind of show that they had to trim areas yeah. because you just you got a lot of questions. They brought up a lot of stuff, and there, there's there's a lot of uh, complexity in this game. Yeah. So, anyways, as you're trying to like, as you're getting ready to bring her LNA down to help Renoa, like, yeah, alarms start going <coughs> off, and things start going crazy. Oh, by the way. This space station is where Adele is being kept. Yeah, we didn't bring right? that up. It's it's so like a separate kind of suspended it's in like air a stasis in space device that like keeps her like imprisoned. Yeah. So she's like frozen in carbonite. She's like frozen in carbonite <laughs> out in space. But it's floating out, yeah, exposed to the elements. It's mm-hmm. like legit, like in space. It's not like in the ship. It's like out. And they mention that the president of Galbadia is himself at this time like doing some kind of routine check. On yes. that on that machine that's like sure. keeping her in yeah. stasis or whatever to make sure everything's running correctly. Right, and he's with two other <laughs> dudes who they have these conversations with each other that seem What's a little familiar, right? Yeah, they they seem hilarious because that guy's their leader, and the two are just <laughs> making fun pro- of him. And it's like very funny. a very familiar kind of uh, dynamic between these three yeah, characters. Absolutely, right? but that's apparently the president of Galbadia, <laughs> but or not Galbadia of Esthar. But um, in any case, like he's up there doing this check. But now, if we remember from earlier when we were reading some of like the behind, uh, like background dialogue in the tutorial menu about the Esthar War and mm-hmm. uh, the the worldwide radio interference that mm-hmm. began 17 years ago, this is the cause. Right. This machine, this apparatus that that it that. Adele is being kept in Mm -hmm. and that is repressing her magical powers that is up as some type of satellite in space that orbits the planet Mm -hmm. is what's causing the the radio interference interference. on the planet. Uh, So it's this like whatever this power is that's repressing her magic is also sort of like repressing like radio waves and things or messing Mm, with them. Right? So that's what's causing this. Now, you remember at the Timber television station mm-hmm. on disc one, as you're running up the stairs and Squall and Renoa have that big argument mm-hmm. back and forth, there's a big like screen display in the background with a bunch of gibberish on yes. it. Yes, yeah. There's a red words. Uh-huh. That's a visual representation of the r- worldwide radio interference. And when that goes away and they, the broadcast begins, they turn and look at it and it's like, oh, is it actually working? Holy crap, we're live, right, we're on right, TV. Right. The, the gibberish is very hard to see in low resolution, but among the jungled mm-hmm. letters are messages. Oh, really? You can read words in them. Do you I want to know what they say? Don't think. It says, bring me back there. I'm alive, and I'll never let you forget about me. Oh, my gosh. Those me? words, those phrases in are English? on. Yes. On I the screen in the I background in the that. timber television wow. station. Hmm. So that worldwide radio interference, there are the thoughts 
of Adele trapped wow. on the space station, trying desperately to like have someone come rescue her wow. from this stasis apparatus in space. That's crazy. I that never noticed wild. that before, and it's it's really oh, hard either. to see. You have to strain super hard to like pick out the letters because it's very low think, resolution. I was gonna say, do you think that in the original version of the game that that was yeah there? It's oh. it's there. Like oh. the, it's it's I, I, you have to look at it really hard because there's no spaces or anything. It's just mm-hmm. letter 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 back and f- like there's no so it's hard to like pick it out. But yeah. like once you see it, it's like oh there's the word. Bring, okay, oh, that is M-E, oh my gosh, it's bring me back here, I'm alive. Wow. All of a sudden you can read it, and it's like, I'll never let you forget about that's me. That's crazy. Holy fetch, that's Adele that is trying wild. to communicate See, through the radio interference. There's so many little <laughs> things like that about this game yeah. that were little details that they thought through that, I man, I just missed a ton of them, and I think most people do miss a ton yeah. of them. But that they help explain kind of the backstory. Mm-hmm. This game, I totally believe that this game was too big, and they just had to trim yeah. stuff out. Well, there's also a style of like world building and, mm-hmm. and storytelling that is kind of common in Katase-led Final Fantasy games that put a lot of these details yeah. in the background in a very missable way. So that people on their twentieth playthrough will can still see, see stuff like yes. that. That's 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 really kind cool. of just like. The way that he does it, yeah, right, and I, I, there's if there's not so huh. much of that in Final Fantasy VII or VI, which he directed, right? Mm-hmm. But FF8 was the first like real. It was the first time he was really in charge. Without it's like, this was not a Sakaguchi right. overlooking project. He right. was totally in charge of this one. Mm-hmm. He was totally in charge of FF10. He was totally well. He was more of a producer on FF13, but right. it's still a. You know, his branch of the the different divisions of right. Square Enix, right? And so, you know, all of those um, uh, details that you learn about, like Final Fantasy XIII's world and the data logs, very similar to like in the tutorial menu. All of these different things you can read and learn. You only learn about Rain's death by doing that. Right? Yeah. Like, there's so many details you will miss by not reading that. It's the same is true of FF13's world. FF10, there's a lot of things that. You replay it. You like examine the words differently. There's there's a lot of ambiguity. Yeah, purpose. A lot of vagueness yeah. that is on purpose. Yeah. But like little hidden details that if like the very if you're very observant, you might like yeah. be able to find these connections. So it's Th- things that like that is pretty cool. It's it's cool because it creates replay value. Uh, it's yeah. frustrating because <laughs> a first playthrough leaves you confused <laughs> about what the freak is going on. Yep, 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 yep. yep. So. It's a kind of a dual-edged sword, right? Where I personally fall, I like to have things laid out a little more clearly. Not sure. because I don't like to think about them. This is what the fourth three-hour episode of Final <laughs> Fantasy VIII. Obviously, I have no and problem thinking deeply about the game. We're not going to touch on everything. But just yeah. because, like, there's, I don't know. It's it's just if you don't get deeply, deeply, deeply involved mm-hmm. with a community of people also doing the same because you're not going to be able to find all these things yourself. Yeah. These, There's a lot of details you'll miss and it's just you'll feel like you don't have a complete picture of what's going on. That's yeah. just a personal preference of mine yeah. about style, right? right? But there are other people who really feel like it brings a lot of value to replaying the game again. You know, there's this kind of... St- this 
type of thing is in the Kingdom Hearts games as well. Yes. And knowing that Tetsuya Nomura had such a hand in Final Fantasy VIII as mm-hmm. well, um, I mean, it makes sense that, you know, that in fact, Kitase maybe is where he even got that from. Yeah. But that's how his games are too. And it does it does create replay value. It also creates a lot of, uh, a lot of confusion. confusion. Yeah. So, anyway... Good or bad. It's but kind of a cool When you analyze the story, we're typically not analyzing <laughs> replay value. And so that's yeah. that's maybe, you know, we're using the wrong tool for the analysis here. But I think that touch is really nice. It is cool. It's really nice. Really this nice. is a thing that you can miss and it doesn't change anything. So it's it just a cool it detail. Matter, right? Except that that's the reason. If you were yeah. like, if you were really hung up on why, why, what happened 17 years ago, why? Like, yeah. I know there's a war, but why can't they use radio waves? Like, why? You're going to be able to find that answer yeah. by looking harder into it. And it's not something that, whether you have this information or not, is going to change your understanding of the plot, necessarily. Mm. But it's a cool detail. This is the kind of thing that I'm totally okay with hiding in the background. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, the not like the fact <laughs> not that GFs stuff. Yeah. cause memory loss. What they loss. do with your memories. That should be a little more explicit, yeah. I feel, in the actual... Like, no, I think so, too. Anyways. So um, we're up there, and the craziest thing... So. They're doing these routine checks, right? And they're trying. There's two. There's two factors to it. You got to do something on the main station. Then you have to go into outer space and do something on the device that's keeping her held uh, yeah. prisoner. Uh, Adele, we're talking about. And so there's like two factors to it, right? But these red lights start going off. Everyone's freaking out. Nobody knows what's going on. And then they kind of shift us to this. It's not a cutscene, but this scene of Renoa. Like just kind of mind controlling the fetch out of everything through. around her, and she, yeah, she gets out of her pod. She's kind of like drunkenly wandering through in slow motion. Where they're doing this like double frame thing. Yeah, it's kind of like a, it's, it's a cool little effect. Yeah, I thought it was kind of cool. And um, she's killing people, <laughs> but not you. It, like a, it, like a phasing effect. That's the word I was yeah. looking. Yeah, for. there you go. Yeah, but if you touch her, she just knocks you back. But. I like um, that. Uh, you run up and it's just like, bam! You get slammed away. You run up, bam! You get slammed away. Slammed away. Great your eardrums, yeah. <laughs> and eventually she kind of just becomes some, like more transparent and you just kind of walk through her. Like you can't stop her. You yeah. can't do anything. And she goes into the control room and she does what she wants to do on the computer and no one can stop her. Then she goes out, gets a space suit, gets on outside, and she's right there in front of Sorcerer's Adele. And she's already undone from the control center uh, from the space center side, she's already undone the lock from their end. And so all she has to do now is undo the um, carbonite. It's like a spider web. It's yeah. like the stringy kind of stuff Yes, that she's attached to. But she, you push a button and it kind of just undoes all of that. Yeah. And so it, it's un- releasing it releases Adele that whole system. From the thing. Now the reason now, why... Now she doesn't like wake up right away though. She's you, still there. Yeah, you think about the reason why... Ultimicia is doing this, right? Because Ultimicia's right. taken over Renoa's body. The ultimate source. It's yeah. like, well, she wants to repossess Adele. Yes, she that's doesn't, the real She reason. doesn't want ma- to maintain possession of Renoa. Right. Renoa's a little girl who knows no magic. and Oh, yeah. It would take... But Adele could actually cast the spell yeah. that would start time compression. And Adele has the... The desire to do it yes. as well. Yes. <laughs> so you're not having to fight internally. You can tell as Ultimacia is well, controlling Renoa. Because it's not pretty. It's it, not a clean control. Like, yeah. Renoa can't is resisting do everything that Ultimacia and, wants and her to Idea do. And Idea resisted yeah. uh, Ultimacia's influence. I mean, yeah. as much as she was a villain early in the game and stuff like that, yeah. she was 
trying her hardest to resist Ultimecia's influence. Yeah. Adele would not do that. No, Adele would embrace it. Yes. And the end of the world times. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what Ultimecia's yeah. end goal was. But was here's the craziest thing. So they talk up Adele. But also, we've learned that there's monsters on the moon and the lunatic cry. Is it lunatic or is it lunar cry? The lunar cry. The lunar cry. That, that's a thing. And that there's billions, billions. They show you in a telescope <laughs> yeah. view like several times. There are billions of monsters <laughs> on the moon. Now, I have a compliment as well as massive criticism here. Because I don't know what to tell you, but those monsters don't really amount to much. You see a mass of millions, hundreds of millions of monsters flowing into the planet. And I'm thinking that planet is done for. And as soon as we go back, there's going to be pools of monsters. Nothing but monsters <laughs> well, everywhere. Well, Everywhere. Because that is massive. Yes. You do, the, the one change that does happen in yeah. game is that in the city of Esthar beforehand... You don't encounter monsters randomly, right? But after you return, now now there are monsters all over monsters. the city, and people are like, "Holy crap! There's so many of them!" And that's what the people say. <laughs> the but you don't really see the don't. impact of it. But but right? here's my compliment, though: they built up stakes like crazy there, yeah. and it's partly because you didn't know what was possible. So they they slowly fed you this information. You know, first you have a day. Oh, but there's another sorceress. It's Adele. She was way worse. She was like. But they were able to imprison her. Oh, if, and you through dialogue with talking with the other characters yeah. in the game and the NPCs and stuff, you can hear people saying, "Oh man, if Adele ever got out, that's it. Like we're done. Like if Adele ever gets out, this whole planet's done for." Like that's how people are talking up right. leading up to this. Then the lunar cry. Oh, it destroyed Centra. This is a crazy mess. This is the worst thing that can happen. It's this. Billions, <laughs> saying, and, and billions is not an underestimate. Like, it's almost like the wave of, of monsters, monsters were also meant to carry Adele's stasis thing back to the planet. Yes, too. it was all coordinated. Right. Yeah, because I mean, that's what people are saying. How could Adele get let loose and the lunar lunar cry happen at the same time? Yeah. It's almost as if someone planned this. That's yes. kind of what that's people are talking. That's all set the whole yes. thing up. And, right. and Alone is in the place, and it's all every and Renoa. Everything all came together at this specific time. At the specific place, all of the almost as if it was planned, right? Couldn't have been planned any better. So, um, but the stakes are so fetching high because you believe that that moon, the moon teardrop of a billion monsters, <laughs> is literally it's a Death Star. It's just like a laser going down towards the Earth. It is going to just annihilate all life, right? And on top of that, here's Adele. Adele, just the worst sorceress, sorceress of all that time. we know of, because you know, yeah. but. Adele was so much worse than Adea, and she was like so ruthless. And the planet, so there's two means of mass destruction to, by which this planet has been subjected to, and they're both on their way on their way down, right? Mm -hmm. So Renoa unlocks it. She, as soon as she unlocks it, some blast happens or something. She kind of goes flying back, and she's just out in the void of space. She's just flipping and just she's gone, right? Yeah. And then the lunar cry happens, and like you said, takes Adele down with it. Unlocked Adele, so yeah. this is the real sorceress. I, I like, if I hadn't already played the game before, <laughs> now I have to go back to my first time a few years ago, when I really was thinking, like, th it's over, they're Things done. Have, uh, this is this so is, crazy. Yeah. Does the rest of the game take place How in space? How could they possibly... Yeah. How are they ever going to get through this? This is insane. Something big needs to happen. Uh, the disappointing thing is 
it's not as bad as it looks. Yeah. And that's very disappointing because it looked really bad. It would be like, like the Death Star an, hitting Alderaan. Adele? And then it like, there's like a volcano. It like hits a hole, like makes a little hole in Alderaan. And it probably killed like a few thousand people. And <laughs> the planet's still there. It's fine, you know. Yeah. But, but what you thought was going to happen was the whole planet blows up. So it's like the stakes are there enough for you in the moment to feel it really heavy. There's never been bigger stakes ever, in my opinion, in any game or movie. This is massive. Except maybe the Avengers three or whatever, <laughs> but like this is um, it's disappointing. It's so disappointing when you get back to Esthar and you see that uh, the lunar cry is not that big. It's basically like Galvadian or um, what's the other continent called? Galvadia or the continent though. Trabia. So there's Galvadia, Trabia, Esthar, okay. Centra, Centra. You're talking all about. those places. Centra, the destroyed. Where it's just like there's, one, there's right? sometimes the there's cell? monsters. Yeah. The central plane. The central. Yeah, but like all of them. Oh. Okay. Everywhere we've been so far, there's just monsters. <laughs> yeah. Around. It's like you know, it's just normal. It's like whatever. People still live normally. But I, I can see. You what leave you're the town, and there's monsters now. Ah, oh, that sucks. But you know, it's not that. It's not the end of the world. I can see what you're saying. But those those stakes were so 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 high. I said about all I need to say okay. there. So <laughs> yeah, because you're right. Because Adele even like goes into the lunatic Pandora, and she isn't like quite awake yet. No. It's like yeah. there's still a process of yes. awakening that's happening. The carbonite, car, what do they it's call it? It's not fully, carbonite sickness. The something sickness. What do they call it? Uh, car, carbonite poisoning? or Yeah, that's, we'll, Anyways, we'll call it that. Um, yeah. Hibernation it, sickness. Hibernation sickness, that's the one. That's what Adele has. Ad- Adele <laughs> isn't quite warmed up yet. She's not yes. back to 100%. And Ultimacia doesn't seem to completely have taken over Adele yet at the time. Right. Adele's still kind of left to her own devices at this point. Right. Yeah. So anyways, there's still time left when you get back to try to formulate a plan. Yes. Right. Whereas you did not think that that, that was going to be, be the, the case. case. <laughs> um, anyways, however, that scene where Renoa's kind of just floating off into space. I love I feel it. like, like tone-wise, the music, it. the cinematography, yeah. like the way she's so small... And just like fl- it's actually a pretty effective scene. Very good tone wise, especially given what had just happened. Yeah, you're feeling so hopeless, and oh well, the stakes. Now there's the character. It's like what? How can you save someone floating out? The in planet space? is doomed, and Renoa is about <clears throat> to float away yeah. into an endless abyss and with no life support. Exactly, <laughs> it, it tells her. <laughs> and Squall has nothing. All he cares about is Renoa. So not only are you seeing that everything's just gone to crap. But now the one thing Squall cares about is also just floating out in space, and he's yeah. probably never going to get it back, right? Yeah, that so, is it is very well done. So he grabs a spacesuit and he goes yeah. on, it goes after her, right? Yeah, but and, first and he asks LNA to like read her past or something. Oh, it doesn't yeah. really work. So he tries he to still tries he, to change. He, he the past, tries right? before he goes out to try to get her. Yes, he tries one more oh, I time see, I see what you're to try to go back, take me back in time, and let me save Renoa. Yeah. And change the past so that the lead up to this Make moment will so have to be. Make it so none of this happens. Yeah. Right? And that's and when he learns. She tries to. She sends him back to a moment where Renoa had been saved by Irvine out of the D-Desert prison. Oh, and, yes. And she's like, no. Because her like, dad's Go back. And she's something. like, you sent me too far. This isn't the moment. Yeah. Send me back to the moment where she, where she went into a coma. And then she sends him back there, and then that's when he that's sees Ultimicia is yes. controlling her. In kind of that, a silhouette. Yeah, and Ultimicia was the one who had told Cypher to go find the lunatic Pandora yes. in Renoa's body or whatever. And then Ultimicia like, turns back to the camera, almost like she's aware that like Elena is trying to 
like mess with I this. I didn't realize and that's she's what's like, happening. Get out of my head or like get yes. away from here or something. Oh, that's great. And so like Ultimisha was like aware in that moment of LNA's presence trying to like meddle with the past. Oh, and she was like that's great. get out and like casts her away, yeah. right? So but then um, they go to a more recent the most recent memory of Renoa, which is her floating out there in space. Oh yeah, and and he so Squall gets to kind of see that, and he gets to see her her last moment when she thinks she's going to die, and she's basically calling out for him. She's saying, "Squall, yeah. come help me! Like yeah. this is it; it's over." And so then he grabs a spacesuit, he yeah. goes after her, um, and that's almost just like a desperation <laughs> move. There's no way he's going to be able to get no. back, and 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 this is. The scene is really good, and I really liked it until the whole thing felt a bit this undermined. This is where the de- disappointment starts. <laughs> <laughs> a bit undermined. All this drama, it's just like, how on earth are yeah. they going to get out of this? Oh, lucky you, there's a spaceship floating yep. right next to you. Yep, it's, and it's just, you're right Deus there. Ex machina. So not, not only lucky that, <laughs> lucky that wherever you, your escape pod got blasted off to, because the whole space station has to evacuate. Wherever it went is just happens to be where Renault is, so you just head right out the exit there. She's floating right towards you. Catch her. You're good. Okay, the escape pod's yeah. gone. But, oh, there's a spaceship. So it's like double coincidence. It's like very convenient. The disappointment starts here. <laughs> when you're like, stakes were so high. Oh, but Renault's going to be fine. Oh, let me guess. The monster. And everything's going to be fine. Yeah. Let me just take a while. And then, because, right. yeah. So it's like the ship just appears. Oh, we're yes. saved. Massive ship, yeah. And it's just like, okay, they get and onto also, it. also, I thought it was going to be hard for them to get onto it because that first time it flips around, it's going really fast, right? Yeah. So that they, first they, flip what was would like, happen is it would like swam it them. It would swat them like a fly. <laughs> Bam, and back And they'd out in the space. be propelled out into space, but yeah. But they grab it. But they grab it. And what do they, they grab? In. I don't know. It's solid. It's smooth metal. It's like grabbing this. <laughs> just be trying to grab this. You can't do it. But they grab onto it. They, they get, get inside. In. You fight some weird alien things. No, no. This, okay, remember when I said I wanted to come back to Renoa and the whole Squall's oh, sudden sure. change and all yes. this stuff? And the, the whole explanation of, well, he, you don't know what you got till it's gone kind of thing? Yes. There's more to that than what we've talked about. Okay. Because this is, Renoa's awake now. She's yeah. Renoa. She's her. She, he doesn't really know how to... He doesn't, and she holds out her arms. She's like, you saved me. And she's like, here, let's hug now. Yeah. I took off my spacesuit, mm. And he's, he won't do it. He's like, why would we hug? And she's <laughs> like, come here. and Because he, she thinks that he's finally broken. He's finally given in. He's finally, yeah. He loves her. He cares about her. Mm. And as soon as she's awake, as soon as she's conscious and no longer he in imminent danger, he's like, okay, Renault's fine. Okay, now let's worry about everything else. And she's <laughs> like, what? Like, he yeah. would have given anything for to hear her talk. But once he hears her talk, yeah. he completely forgets what it's like, sorry, what it's like for her to not talk. Yeah. As soon as she's looking at him, he forgets what it was like when she didn't look at him. Yeah. Like, it completely leaves his mind. So yeah. I think there is something more to that because I started to realize, like, Squall... And maybe it may, maybe it just is worse because of this, but as soon as he has her, he just completely starts going back to his normal self. So so what? Let me because I might have a counterpoint to this. Yeah. But you're you're trying to say that you found this to be an unconvincing writing no, choice, or I that think, I think it fits his character very well. Okay. What I'm saying is. <laughs> 
it's anticlimactic. This or? is no that this is this is a massive character flaw in Squall. Oh sure, Squall. It, this is this is like with Big Sis, where once he gets her back, it's like, well, no, I just mostly didn't want to lose her. I don't really want her back. I just, I just didn't want. It's it's a self-centered thing. It's not, and so I'm not being critical of the game necessarily. Okay. I'm talking about. In fact, I think it's a it's a it's a pretty good part of the game because it shows that his character is consistent. A convincing and character choice, but a flaw it, of the character. It's a point, yes, and it's a point towards the "you don't know what you got till it's gone" argument that you brought up earlier. That most people seem to kind of feel it with Squall. Yes. Who who agree with Squall? The other sure. ones just don't think he's. Uh, doing anything correctly. <laughs> but this shows that once she's finally okay, he immediately reverts back to his weird self. Like, he, he, go, he, goes he in, found her annoying, way. right? But it was an endearing annoying, and he doesn't want her... How would I put this? He doesn't want her to stop being annoying, and he's not going to stop being annoyed with her. <laughs> he, but he wants to be annoyed by her. Does okay. that make sense? Sure. So when he missed her being annoying, he <laughs> it's not like now that she's back, he doesn't find her annoying anymore. He still finds her annoying. In fact, he's, he finds her very difficult to deal with, well, especially as they go into the cockpit I'm, later I'm, on. I, I am on the same page with you. Like, I know where you're going. Yes. I'm, I'm uh, foreseeing the audience misunderstanding you. So I want to like this is clarify. why I should have brought this up. <laughs> See, this is the problem with bringing things up when the thing happens. I should have brought this up when I first thought about it an yeah. hour ago as we were talking about yeah. their relationship because this goes into a specific narrative that we had already talked about. Yes. But instead, I waited until talking now, about how this anticlimactic situation so completely sucked. But, but the reason I think I think people are going to like cling to the word annoying and kind of like. I know what you mean, but I think I think to clarify it a little bit for them to not look at it as he wants to be annoyed by her is he she opposites attract is the idea, right? Uh, so yes, like sure. you're endeared by personality traits that are different from how you think. But yes. those can be difficult to sort of like it can make it difficult to communicate with each other. Absolutely. So in this Absolutely. moment, when they're back inside the Ragnarok, Squall is thinking, we're not out of it yet. We yes. have to get yes. back to safety. Right. While she wants to take a break and enjoy the moment together. Yes. Right? Very now, there's briefly. a reason. There's a very yeah. good reason that she explains in a minute why. Uh -huh. Because she's going she to knows. give herself up. And that's this where this This is going to be our last moment together. Because I, have a, I right? want to bring this up again once we get to yeah. that point. Because but, something else happens there that I want to talk about. But he is thinking this isn't the right moment for us right. to have our yes. connection. We've got to get back home first. And so yeah. he's sort of singular-minded a little bit reverted into his like more logical brain i guess right. and and is not comfortable yet i mean he was sharing his inner feelings with her when she was in a coma yes. but he's not necessarily sure how to do that with a living breathing with the, person that is exactly right? what i'm talking about yes that is exactly what i'm talking so about so he's because just, living breathing people can annoy you. Yes. They or, can talk back to you. Or they can, they have their own thoughts or and they can desires. think that your pain or trauma is silly or, or, or right. that it's stupid or that or yeah. shame you for it. Or mm -hmm. there's all these reasons why you feel reticent to share or let let people into your heart. Yes. Right? So it's a lot easier to talk to her and you have these feelings for her 
that you want to say when you know she can't really hear or respond. But when she's standing yeah. there, you finally got what you wanted. He doesn't know how. He doesn't know what to, to do. He doesn't know how to communicate with her. And her yeah. form of communication is so alien to his way right, of thinking yeah. that it's like, uh, I, I, I don't know what to do. And this is, I don't have time for this right now. Mm. We should be doing this. And it makes it awkward like, in... Yeah. He was carrying her on his back from <laughs> yes. place to place. He was holding her in the spacesuit, right? Yeah. But as soon as soon as they get to the spaceship, and this is not a criticism of the game. Yes. I am simply analyzing the character Squall and how he is and what he does. And I am at belie- I, I am not sure if I like it or not. <laughs> I guess that's why it's like I'm not pointing out a criticism or a compliment. I'm just saying this of, is what of it the is. the game or the storytelling, but at you don't know least, if you like consistent. him. I don't know because if... Because of this. And I don't know if this was the best. I feel like he, he should have had a change <laughs> at some point instead of going right back to his old self. I don't like that as soon as she's there in the spaceship that he reverts right back to how he was, where it's like, okay, you can go now. <laughs> I see where you're coming from. Yeah. And this kinda, I don't know. I, this maybe kinda, I like it, maybe I don't. kind of goes back to what I was talking about a couple episodes ago, I think. It yeah. might have been the last one, where I said there are a lot of people who when they initially meet me, they don't like me or they think I'm a jerk right, or whatever. Right, So I... I really like that he does this because it's just so mm. real. It's exactly well, what I would have done <laughs> at his age. I'm not well, saying it's what I would oh, have done you're right. Actually, that's as a, fair a point. 30-year-old or a 33-year-old yeah, or whatever. Yeah. I've, I've done a little more mm. introspection. Right. I've learned a little bit more about my psychology, why I think the way I think. I've, right. I've, I've learned to communicate better. But as a 17-year-old kid... Like, I was terrible yeah. in situations like that. That's almost exactly how I would have responded in that situation. It's very, yeah. very true to the personality type. I'll put it that way, which is why I like the it choice. Is. But so, it is frustrating for people of Renoa's personality type <laughs> to be like, you finally opened up, let's do this. Right. And he's like, no, again, Still like, no. very frustrating yeah. thing. But if we can go to the next part. Yes. So then they get in the cockpit. Also fascinating. They're on their way back to the planet. They get in touch with the home base or whatever. And you know what's crazy? (laughs) I just can't hammer this home enough. A nuclear missile Death Star laser of a billion (laughs) monsters (laughs) just blasted on to Estar's planet, from what I could tell, along with the sorceress um, Adele. Adele. But they have, there's these people manning this little, they don't even mention it, right? But there's these people manning this little thing. Oh, we picked up the Ragnarok. (laughs) Hey, Ragnarok, this is amazing, guys. The Ragnarok, there's someone on it. Can you believe it? Ragnarok, do you mean? As if that would be a priority. Yeah, are you kidding me? Like, you're freaking out. Considering what's going on. The entire space command of there would be focused on whatever else is going on, and they wouldn't even care that the Ragnarok just woke up for whatever. As far as they know, monsters are controlling it now and are flying back down. You know what's funny about that, too? And they don't even mention it. They don't even say, hey, things are crazy. No, they don't even say it. You know what adds to this too is that I was trying to think of any reason why the Ragnarok being there as a deus ex machina could be explained well. Yeah. I was like, maybe 
that ship was docked at the space station, and so when it was destroyed, it was kind of floating, oh. and then they just happened to be on there. Maybe so it would it have been better had they seen that ship. It had been out of commission docked, for seventeen years, but that's what that's what destroyed it. Is yes. like in this conversation, he's like, "Oh, that ship's been missing for seventeen, for 17 years, years in space. It's been floating, <laughs> assuming that their world works how ours around the entire Earth." Yeah. For 17 years. And they, and they boom, decide... They caught it. They decide to pick up that uh, transmission and talk to them. They don't even mention. They're just like, oh, yeah, we'll prepare an airport for you. There's nothing else going on here. Like, whatever. Yeah. It's no big deal. Yeah, you, you land here. We'll direct you. We'll even help you land. How about that? Considering all the other problems going, they probably wouldn't have time yeah. for that. Well, they don't even ask you who you are until later. Yeah. They don't even say, well, who are you? They're just like, hey, come on back here. Well, they, doesn't, they, they do. Later they do. They do. After oh, you're after already the, landing, after, then they no, say, no, no. "What are your names?" Right? Th- don't okay. they say that uh, I have I'm Squall and I have Renault with me? They're, they're like Renault with you. But that's after they've already said in the coordinates the autopilot to come land. Oh. Then the the people beam back in, and that's after they're having their moment or whatever. After they have their little moment, yeah. where yeah. So they have a conversation. He he disconnects. But they have their moment. Then there's another. Then transmission. they keep beaming back in. By the way, state your okay. names: Squall yeah. and Renault. Okay. Renault. The sorceress? Okay, you're right. Yeah, Kay. you're right. But And then that's where it's like different, right? And Squall doesn't respond. He's like, Squall, respond. Do you have the sorceress? She'll be detained immediately upon <laughs> arrival. Yeah. So um, anyways, that moment though. So this is fascinating because they're in the cockpit. Coordinates typed in. Autopilot landing. Done. Right, now, they're now you're just chilling. Oh, we got to turn off the gravity so that things can be romantic, not to save power. <laughs> And so, boom, Renoa just falls right in Squall's lap. Everything's good, hands-free. They're going to where they need to go. Don't need to do anything. Squall won't. He wants Renoa to get off of his lap. He's like, like stop, over go away, sit in your own chair. And she's like, no, I don't want him. Now, she kind of likes this because she finally got, like you mentioned in our last show, a door, a slight crack in the door that she can work at opening at some point, whereas he had not shown her that Becomes before. Becomes like her mission in life. <laughs> yes, but he had not shown that before. But now she just loves it, where he's like, go sit in the other seat. And she, she loves being a bother to his uh, stoic ways. Stubborn right? stoicness. Yeah. Yeah. She loves, and that's part of what I mean by annoying, but still. Uh, Squall often, as he was like lamenting her when she wasn't there, I swear he said something along the lines of, why can't you, you know, tease me or bug me like you used to or something like oh, that? Oh, right, that's, yeah. That's more what I was referring to when I said that. Yes, only. yes, that's um, true. But um, in this moment, he is, and the music comes on. They start Eyes playing on the song mm-hmm. with the voice. I They shouldn't. The voice goes great at the end of the game. It does not go it's, as well at this point. It, I, I agree, and I agree with, um, with that just in a general sense, even like with yeah. movies and stuff. It would be like uh, any of those... Uh, the songs they play at the end of like in the Lord of the Rings credits. Yes. If they'd played those somewhere like uh-huh. through the course of the movie. Where you're listening to with, the words. With the actual, especially during a scene of dialogue where characters yes, are talking Yes, where they're talking. That I found quite they, You generally don't have a track, like a music track with a voice uh-huh. during a yeah. sequence of dialogue. There's yeah. usually saved for montages or credits sequences or something like that where mm-hmm. characters aren't talking because... Especially for sound mixing, it can be very tricky to like have the dialogue be clear yes. when you have a voice singing in a track underneath them. Yeah. 
now here they're not speaking out loud. There's no voice acting, so you're reading. So it. I think they gave themselves but a pass. But I w when I was streaming it, uh, there were some other people in the stream who felt similarly. Like, oh, I don't like the vocal version of Eyes on Me being what they chose here for this point. Mm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like for I would rather have this moment. be an instrumental version of the theme, and then funny. play Eyes on Me as the credit song. Yes. At the end. Uh, whatever. <laughs> I, it was a big deal to me because I, it, the moment, that is the quintus, that is like the moment of the game, right? Yeah. After playing the, the whole story, game yeah. where it's like this is where their relationship culminates to the point where it, it, you don't really get this kind of intimacy at any other point in the whole game. This yeah. is it. And that song basically ruins the whole For you. Yeah. Mm. It, because... Well, for many reasons. But anyways, the words, I just would much have preferred maybe just a piano or just a, an instrumental version. But that's not even what I want to talk about here. Because Squall is resisting her, resisting her, resisting her. Until, until what point does he get out of his chair and go kneel down next to her? Oh, it's when she told him, hey, by the way, they're going to not let me. Yeah. And all of a sudden... So she finally got back in her own chair, and that's when she's decided. This is to our last me. moment together. And so he unbuckles his seatbelt. She was telling her, "Put on your seatbelt. Go sit in yeah. the chair and put on your seatbelt." She's like, "I don't have to. I'll just hold on to you." You know. Mm -hmm. As soon as she says, "By the way, they're putting me in prison, and I don't know when I'm ever going to get out," he unbuckles his seatbelt, <laughs> gets out, <laughs> kneels down. I don't know how you kneel in zero gravity, but. He kneels down right next to her, and he is all focused on her, like 100% paying attention. And she's still a living, talking, breathing human. Yes. But the, the situation has again. changed that now at least he knows, I only got a few minutes, right? Mm -hmm. and, and then this is over. Yet even still, once they land, she's like, hey, I got to go be in prison now. And Squall's like, yeah, I guess you got to. See ya. Let's her go. <laughs> And I get why, because it's like, yeah, what if the sorceress takes her over again and no one and everyone's like being bing, 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 blasted off of her body? What if that happens again? Okay, I don't know, but sorceress Adele's here, so probably not, but maybe, mm. yeah. But he he's like, Yeah, you should probably go be in <laughs> go be in prison for a while. And um, it's probably the right decision given all the information that you have. Of course, in Final Fantasy VIII, the truly right decision to make at any given moment is not the right decision. You mm -hmm. always go with your feelings and your gut and your heart. You never go with your brain because the zero or what the one in a million thing will be what happens. So, but that means if you're going with the one in a million, that means you did not go with the 99.99999%, which was she going to get taken over again, get her somewhere where she can't hurt people. Um, anyways, um, Squall makes the right decision, but it's funny that he does that here. Because he was willing to break all the rules for her before. He was willing to yeah. take hostages and, you know, no, like, um, you know, he's not, what's, what's the saying? Like, I'm not, I'm not taking notes and I'm not taking hostages, whatever. Anyway, oh, so he basically goes in. Medium. Uh, yeah, I can't remember what it is, though. Anyways. Okay, so, uh, but he just kind of, like, gives up once he knows that she's going to go. And that's that. He's he gives up pretty easily. He's not willing to break well, rules anymore. Well, I think anymore. part of it is that it's he's got he's back. She's doing it willingly. Yeah, she right? said, "Hey, I got to do this." Yeah, and, and he's like, he was trying to like say, "Hey, is there some other way or something like that?" And she was like, "Yeah, like no, it's 
But in the ship before that, she said it, she was very scared. She was like yeah. freaked out to do this. She doesn't. She even said she didn't want the spaceship to land because yeah. once it lands, then everything. And over. he still just now lets the her, squall of lets her do it. The squall of thirty minutes ago <laughs> would have, would have been like cancel the autopilot, kick it into gear, and let's yeah. go somewhere else, right? But this squall of the past um, two minutes or whatever <laughs> has decided that yeah. You should probably, we should probably land and you should probably go to jail. I'm sorry. It's, it's a little weird. His character is, is difficult for me to understand. I like him as a character. I like the general stuff in the story. I don't even have a big problem with his random, random change of heart. My problem is, is that his change of heart flip flaps back and forth like a dozen times before this whole thing's over. And, um, that, I really can't so, read him and have no idea what he's going to do at any given point. Would you say that you have a bigger problem, storytelling-wise, with this moment where he lets her be taken away by Esthar than by, say, like the seemingly sudden change of heart where he's like all, you know, fawning over her? And it seems that seemed that yeah, <laughs> that I'd say that's accurate. More. Yes, at okay. least he should have been like, like. On his knees, screaming. <laughs> like the way they built his character up before was it was not comparable. Just like the way they built up the lunar cry and Adele's returning and all of that, it just was not what it ended up being. Seemed like it was leading. Yeah, into. they built us up to be a certain place, and then when we get there, it's like nah, same old, same old squall. I mean, you know, you can't let the whole planet die just because you love the girl, you know. And it's like it just builds up to this point, and then it just fails you. And I think Final Fantasy VIII does that a lot of times in mm. many different places, because finally. And the, the game kind of reprograms your thinking as well, right? Because it's like, oh, who, who cares about Renoa? you got to save the whole garden, right? Yeah. In, in disc two. Well, after a while, at some point, the game does condition you to be like, okay, hey, saving Renoa is really important. Yeah. And, and then finally to have it just kind of be gone and then to have him go talk to his friends and the squall of 10 minutes ago who let her go to jail is like, you're right, I can't let her go to jail. Let's go get her. And then they go and they have to break her out of jail now, which is like weird. Uh, but they're able to do it and it's like almost a minute too late, but then they're able to do it and oh, let's devise a plan using this thing to get Adele in. I'm getting a little ahead of myself here, but I'm just saying that Squall's character I found believable in the first two discs and even the beginning of disc three, yeah. much more than I found him to be believable throughout the rest of disc three. Because of the, he, the, yeah. the wild, very quick flip-flopping of yes. back and, and forth. We don't even read his thoughts that much after Renoa comes back to life, basically. We don't get to see those thoughts of him as much, except for maybe when she's going to prison or something like that. And he's like, ah, oh, dang it, she's gone now. What am I going to do? Um, which, once again, is just his character flaw, but it's a very difficult one for me, specifically. I, I guess... The, once something's gone, you want it more than you've ever wanted anything in your life. <laughs> like, you don't just want miss it because it's gone. It's like, okay, you can go to jail. The second she's in jail, <laughs> where's here's, the gun? <laughs> We're breaking her out. So here's... I guess here's the way that I, that I saw it. And I, I can't draw upon any specific line of dialogue to give... I wish I could, mm -hmm. but I didn't anticipate that this would be some way we talk about, so this is kind of cool. <laughs> but... I guess the way that I see that is that his like super hardcore desperation and like being willing to go through any mm -hmm. length to save her was all during a, a like a, a coma state 
So she couldn't give any input on to any tell, of it. To say what she wanted. In this moment, she more or less convinces him that this is the right thing to do. Right. Despite the fact that she's scared. Right. I could also see that his wild swing of emotional volatility mm. leading to this point of exhaustion where it's like, I finally got her back. Everything's going to be okay. But then this other wrench in the thing. Like, because sometimes, for me at least, like, when, when I've been through kind of a roller coaster of emotions, when something else comes up, that would normally make me anxious or worried, mm. I kind of just don't have the mental energy anymore. And it's kind of just like I have to just ignore it or just walk away from it for a minute to really like process. Right. Oh, wait a second. I should probably do something about that. Like That is normal. That, that I, happens. I, and so the, I guess the way I see this is he built up to this moment. He saved her. But then she, her input as being a, a, an autonomous a person with, human, yes. with freedom, right, yeah. with, with, with uh, agency, mm. said this is what needs to be done and gave an actually pretty rational reason why. It's, and he was convinced by that. It seems that that was the case. But yes. then realized how stupid it is Right. When Quistus and Zell were like, what the freak did you go through all that for then? Right. And he's like, okay. I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> you're right. Well, it's not that he hadn't thought about it. It's that he almost hadn't had time to think about it. Uh, I mean, fair enough. Because, like, he walks out. I mean, because he, he, it all unwinds. And, it, like you said, like, billions of monsters have just been launched on the planet. Oh, but, but, and but apparently everything's fine. And he went out into space to save her and it's just like this roller coaster of stuff. It's like a lot to process. And then she's telling you this is the right thing to do and like what are you going to do? Like, well, I guess in his mind as a young person take her against her will, take her hostage and you know, no. I wouldn't have been so, against her will if he I, doesn't realize this. Well, I think I mentioned this before, but it's not so much that point because that point is when that happens, sure, but what I'm talking about is once he hears that the sorceress will be detained immediately upon entry. Oh, just when I talked about canceling the autopilot, like it's yeah, at that moment when they've landed and the people are there, it's difficult to let her or to uh, fight against what she's telling you is the right thing to do or whatever. Yeah. But before that, <laughs> the second he hears that she's going to be, you know, he doesn't object. He doesn't, I mean, he gets out of his seat and he goes to finally be with her for two seconds. We have no clue what they said. They didn't spend any, I don't even know how long that was, right? But at least he's there next to her. I don't even know what that was supposed to mean within the game. But it seems to me as though Squall is now coming to her. Uh, but he just lets things get to that point. He didn't cancel the autopilot. That's okay. that's the biggest thing. Cancel that autopilot. <laughs> like, the they're going to detain you? Okay, let's go somewhere, somewhere else. else. Yeah, I can see that. I, I guess mean, they don't really know how to fly it, but Selvi figured it out. I, like I, I can see it. I think that there's. I think that there's a valid point there, and I don't know. I guess. I guess for me, it's almost an intuitive thing that I just feel right. I can kind of understand this like almost like extremely naive, clueless sort of like response to 
I worked so hard to save you, but now you don't want me to save you. That's weird. I'm, I'm trying to think of a emotionally kind of numb because of this. It, it, th this happening has like caused this sort of emotional numbness to wash me that is sort of making me like I'm like in this dreamlike stake of not knowing how to process this in my mind. And then someone walks up to me and tells me how dumb it is, and I snap back into it. I don't know how to describe I get that you. emotion. No, and I, I that, but that's I probably feel happened like to me I've before. Felt it before. I mean, it does feel familiar to me too, but not, <laughs> but not like this. I'm sorry, this game, the, and it's partly their own fault. They built, they set the stakes so high that there was nothing but disappointment waiting for you when you got back to the planet. As a game player, as a squall, just everything, the way everything was set up, it was done, I would say it was done too well, except they, I don't know, they would have just had to have changed their whole story, I guess. But the, the stakes were so high that they, they could not live up to what they had set up within squall, for the game player, within the world, within all the other characters, with everything. They were not able to deliver what they had promised, um, but they decided to promise it anyways. <laughs> And, and like I said before, it's like a character flaw within Squall, and that's fine. That's his character, but that's a that's a difficult. That's very that's a difficult thing to make likable for a lot of people. Or yeah, I think so. I think so. That's a, it's 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 hard to make a character who is that unbelievable <laughs> in so many ways that that at this point, because like you're saying with disc one and disc two, I'm with you. I actually agree with Squall the whole time. but And I guess his mind just kind of breaks in Disc 3. Everything in the, his That's, world just breaks. Yes. And, and so he can't even really comprehend or process anything. That, that kind of makes sense to me, other than the fact that everything is just such a letdown once you get back to the planet, that it just makes me feel like, what, like, this thing was built up and didn't deliver. Squall was built up with Renoa and didn't deliver. Uh, the, the sorceress was built up and didn't deliver because there's another sorceress, so they kind of get around that one. Um, but, yeah, just a lot of disappointment. Mm. I can see that. I hadn't really thought about it that way with the stakes being... I didn't think about it my first playthrough. It was like, but I think I can see where you're coming from. No. But he, he does snap out of this at the uh, insistence of Quistus. Right. And they go to the sorceress's memorial. They break her out. And she's all for being broken out, by the way. Yeah. She's not trying to talk you out of it and anymore. And this, this something, this is something that <laughs> Isn't I that found. Weird? This is, is something that I found I to be know. very true too, yeah. based on my experience with relationships with the right. girls that I've dated. <laughs> they'll often have. Hope they're not listening. One thing that they say, right? But they secretly, but they secretly hope secretly. that you'll do this. Oh gosh! <laughs> right? This show could go in and. A that's funny direction. Kind of what I feel. What happened there? Sure. She knows in her heart that the safest thing to do and the responsible right. thing to do is to go into custody. What mm. her, what would be more romantic? <laughs> she's all about that. Is if Squall doesn't <laughs> let it happen yeah. and gets in the way and whisks her away. So secretly, she desires that, yes. but like. She can't ask. That wouldn't be. It would not be romantic it to ask not. him to do it. Right. He has to do it of his own will. And what we know about Squall is that he doesn't pick up on cues like <laughs> yes. that. Yes. He doesn't. If you want him something from him, but you don't tell him what you want, 
You're not going to get it. Yes. Then fair enough. Fair so enough. she's not going to like ask because if she has to ask, then it's not romantic. He's doing yeah. it just because I asked, right. not because he, he just couldn't handle it anymore. Me, yeah. So it's not romantic uh-huh. enough. So I can't ask you to save right. me. And and truly, the responsible thing is to do this. But in, in deep in my heart, I hope that you save right. me. So when he actually shows up, it's like the fulfillment of yeah. a fantasy. And her, a her fantasy. And she falls into his arms, and that's that. They both are such so unhealthy. And then they're <laughs> leaving, and a bunch of SR soldiers are there, but then Ward shows up. I don't think you know yes, it's him Yes, you yet. don't know it's him yet, but he's freaking huge, and you but can kind of guess. He's like the only big guy you've seen the whole game. <laughs> the whole game. <laughs> and he shows up, and he's like, okay, let him go. Yeah. So then you go back to Esthar. Now, this is where you're going to meet with the president of, Gal- or of Esthar fighting. Yeah. And the big reveal... Oh my gosh, Lagoon is the president Can't of Esther. Can't believe it. There is no freaking way that that is true. Uh, like that, knowing Laguna's character, so there is no way. And he explains how it happened. And I get it. Of. It was basically a, a bumbling. He just the position well, fell into his, his whole lap. life has yeah. been that. His whole life has been a sequence of coincidences and yeah. just events. He, he's just like a lucky person, right? And there are some people that just. They seem to be lucky like that. Some people they are just like happen that. to be in the right place at the right time all the time, even though they're not necessarily very forward thinking mm-hmm. or logical. They don't plan a lot. They kind of just like do things off, you know, yeah. the cuff and just kind of they're reactionary types more than they are progressive necessarily. Right. He just happens to always kind of things just kind of work out for him. That's kind of part like, of who he is. To a crazy degree. But I think <laughs> but that's this, true. It, this is also hurt a little bit by the fact that there was probably more that they planned for you to actually be involved in this resistance against Adele as like part of the game for Laguna right. sequences that oh, they right. cut. There would have been more there. Right? Yeah. So there probably was more there. Now he's just expositing it to you in dialogue. Yeah. But, you know, the idea is that he was imprisoned. He like... Essentially, people like him because yeah. he tries to be helpful to people. Mm-hmm. So he helped that Moomba escape and helped like the, the prisoner he was with. And these guys, you know, put in the word with the resistance because they're part of the resistance. So that's how he gets like a meet, uh, you know, with like the leaders. And then they yeah. like plan together. And so then... And they all just kind of liked him. He's and a good he guy. came up with the plan to capture Adele, right? Right, So right. like he's the... He, he, he basically lured her into that place with promises that LNA was there. Yes. And then, like, he knew tricked her into that. Pushed her into So, there, like, yeah. the fact that that all played into, he was, a, like, he was basically the spearhead of the resistance that ended Adele's rule led to people calling for him to be their next leader. Kind of makes sense. Not even, like, democratic... But election kind of wise because he's been the president since that happened yes so he's and they don't they, they're not like they're gonna There's wait no till he term dies. Limits, he's basically I guess. a king yeah <laughs> he just stays the and he he even says like yeah i probably shouldn't have done this i probably should have right. gone back and been with rain and he kind of wanted but to, he yeah. felt compelled to stay felt like you know these people were counting on him whatever it might mm. be but sent elena back and anyways, right. he feels very regretful about that choice all these years later. But he's the president of Esthar. And anyways, he then sets up the plan, explains the plan of how they're going to essentially defeat the sorceress Ultimicia, mm-hmm. which is to allow her 
to cast time compression because that's the only way we can travel to the future. To get to her, yeah. She can travel to the past because she's using Odine's machine right. that he made that has LNA's power, mm. the, the machine that can send her consciousness into the past, which is how she's yeah. taking over all these sorceresses, right? And so they're going to allow Ultimicia to take over Adele, mm. who's then going to use, they're going to use LNA to cast Adele further into the past mm -hmm. to the point where Ultimisha is going to cast time compression and the time compressed world will be the pathway through which the party can get to the future and kill Ultimisha. Yes. That's the plan. If that makes sense, I don't know. It made sense <laughs> more this playthrough than it did the first <laughs> time I played the game. That's for dang but sure. But that's the plan, right? Now, so, I have one question before we wrap things up here. Okay. In the remastered version of this game, is Adele a male or female? Um, well, she looks like a male, but she is they, a female. <laughs> why? Well, it's a very masculine body, right? But like a bodybuilder's body. But even body. the clothes she's wearing is... Well, the, I think the nipples are covered, aren't they? Are like, they? I think there's like a... Like kind of a like a this belty is why or I'm like asking a, about the remastered version. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that they're covered. There's a little by coverage. the costume she's wearing. Yeah, okay. But I mean, she has a very masculine build. It's like a bodybuilder and, look and right? features in general. Yeah. yeah, like so all around. But it is a female character. Yeah. Okay. So. I was thinking, because I know they say she, but in Japanese they don't reference the pronouns. Sometimes you the don't know way. whether it's he and or And it she. could be that the translators just translated Adele, assuming Adele, Japanese name once again, was a female. I could go look at the Ultimania. I look at that <laughs> character model and I'm like, I haven't seen the remaster version though. Not that it matters, I'm just kind of bringing it up. Okay, so I wanted to make an addendum to this point too about uh, Adele and read a couple of things just to clarify this. So I have the Ultimania again. There's an entry for Adele here, right? Because the confusion arrives from the fact that, like Kaysen was saying, in Japanese, sometimes the, um, the gender isn't necessarily revealed in the pronouns that they're using. It's more, the language is very contextual. So sometimes they don't necessarily clarify male or female with the pronoun that they're using. And so, um, I, and I think even in some of the translations, I don't know if it was maybe French or, or another language like German or something like that, um, they actually used he in a couple of places. So there has been some confusion um, about is Adele a, a, a woman or a man? And um, there's some circumstantial evidence, um, first of all, that she's called a sorceress instead of a sorcerer, right? But there's some circumstantial evidence um, kind of in some of the lore of Final Fantasy VIII's world, particularly when it comes to the legend of Hein, right? And that Hein sort of hides his power in the sorceresses and that the sorceresses are all women, that this is a power that's passed only to women. But in addition to that, the, the entry here in the Ultimania reads, a muscular sorceress who ruled Esthar 20 years ago. The illustration to the right depicts the moment when she junctions Renoa to her. It is, and it is in this form that the player uh, battles her in game. So, um, I, I mean, I think this is a, a fact that's pretty well known. Like, yeah, she appears 
big and muscular, but, but Adele is a woman, not a man. So it's there in the Ultimania. I think it's clarified in some other places. Um, even like the, the wiki online says uh, Adele has a well-built torso and red hair that is tied in a long plate. Her skin is white and her eyes are crimson. She wears a headpiece, a black skirt, the frock, armbands, and body armor. Although this piece is often confused as being part of the multiple black tattoos that adorn her torso, creating the impression of her being topless. So she isn't actually topless. That's what Kaysen was wondering about with the costume, right? It didn't seem like she was wearing anything up here. Um, so she is wearing body armor. In any case, I'm fairly certain that Adele is supposed to be a woman. I didn't provide much of this uh, evidence in the video itself, so I wanted to clarify that in this addendum note. So there you go. Yeah, I, I can go look at the Ultimania and, and like clarify that next time, but I'm pretty sure uh, Adele's female. Last thing I'm going to say about time compression, because it's not really explained in the text of the game. This is coming from the Ultimania. Mm. Uh, Ultimania's plan is that after time compression is achieved, it's a place that only she will be able to exist and that yes, she'll then that be able the to kind of remake the world as she sees fit. Yeah. This is her trying to escape her fate of being killed by Seed. Yes, because right? she has tried for a long time to change the past. And Seed continues to show up and mess up, mess up her plans. So her idea is, I'm going to go back in time and cast time compression, right. which is going to Get like essentially everything. erase this timeline, right. and I'll create a new one mm-hmm. where I can escape into it. So even Ultimicia is, is clinging to a false hope that she can yeah. do anything to change. And it's because of her arrogance that yes. she's so powerful that she, she thinks can she can do it. Somehow. And but her influence close, on the past is what led to her demise in the first place. Right. Because her influence on the past and people learning about that is what made them create seed right. to kill her in the first place. Yeah. So it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. So anyways, we'll get more into that next time. But we've been talking for two hours and 50 minutes, almost three hours, and we're not even on the disc four yet. So we're going to have to save disc four for the next <laughs> yeah. episode and then go into comments and wrap up from there. So thank you everybody for watching. We will see you again Which next one? time. That that uh, <laughs> camera, the the, the I, I took care of the battery situation, but now we just ran out of space on the memory card because we've been talking too long. Three-hour podcast, man. Jeez. So, in any case, we'll have one more. We'll wrap everything up neatly on the next one. We'll talk about Hein. We'll talk about mm-hmm. possibly even some of the uh, Renoa's Ultimicia theory <laughs> stuff. <laughs> right. We'll maybe dive into some of that next time, but um, we'll have to save the disc four summary uh, for then. Till then, peace out everyone. Thanks for watching. We'll see you again soon.